So now we have two vaccines that are really quite effective. The mRNA vaccine, highly effective, extraordinarily efficacious, 94 to 95 percent for mild to moderate disease and virtually 100 percent efficacious. Because the real world effectiveness is even more impressive than the results of the clinical trial. family with children four and five years old say they were accidentally given full adult doses of the Pfizer coronavirus vaccine instead of flu shots. They say it happened on October 4th at the Walgreens on St. Joseph Avenue. The family of four includes two adults and two young children, both too young for the Pfizer or any other COVID vaccine. Well, the family's attorney, Daniel Tooley, shared with us what he says are vaccination cards given to the family by Walgreens. They show children born in 2016 and 2017 were given a Pfizer coronavirus vaccine. The family says they left the pharmacy thinking they had gotten their flu shots, but a Walgreens employee later called them and said they had made a mistake. Tooley says the children have been taken to a pediatric cardiologist, and the family was told both are showing signs of heart issues. We've reached out to Walgreens several times, but have not yet heard back. We have, you know, one in 10,000 uh, side effects. That's, you know, way more, 700,000, uh, you know, people who will suffer from that. So really understanding the safety at gigantic scale across all age ranges, you know, pregnant, male, female, undernourished, uh, existing comorbidities, it's very, very hard. And that actual decision of, okay, let's go and give this vaccine to the entire world, uh, governments will have to be involved because there will be some risk and indemnification needed before that can uh, be decided on. You've invested $10 billion in vaccinations over the last two decades, and you figured out the return on investment for that, and it kind of stunned me. Can you walk us through the math? In a Wall Street essay, Bill Gates declared vaccines. 
the best investment I've ever made. Our foundation uh, is a bit more than $10 billion, uh, but we feel there's been over a 20 to 1 return. So if you just look at the economic benefits, uh, that's a pretty strong number compared to anything else. If you had put that money into an S&P 500 and reinvested the dividends, you'd come up with something like $17 billion, but you think it's $200 billion. Here, yeah. You know, helping young children live, that has a payback that goes beyond any typical financial return. Remember them. Remember their names and who they are. Remember what they said and what they did not say. Remember what they did and what they did not do. When all is done, the guilty will be punished. That's right. There's no other way. The guilty will be punished. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us here today. This Woden's Day. Uh, it is almost uh, 4 p.m. Eastern here, which means uh, 7 p.m. Uh, uh, sorry, Pacific. I mean, 4 p.m. Pacific, <clears throat> which is 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern, of course. 1 p.m. Central European time. Uh, I do apologize for being late and gay, uh, but as I say, le- uh, better late than never. Uh, had some issues with the uh, with the old computer here before we went live, but I think uh, everything is up and running, uh, and I think we're uh, going out to the number of places that we usually go out to. Um, Odyssey, of course, DLive, you can still watch it there, but I do encourage you to get over to Odyssey or maybe Rumble or something else that works for you. Float, of course, one of the places we go out to. You can watch the stream on Twitter as well. VK, RedEyes.TV and RedEyesMembers.com, uh, whatever works for you. But I do appreciate you joining us here today. We have a, a jam-packed show, a lot of important things to go into. Actually, when it comes to uh, not only the COVID stuff, uh, we have some other things we're going to cover in the beginning. Some things that uh, the financial, the greedy little banking class are working on, which is uh, to get their hands on uh, the the next big breakthrough, which is essentially nature, uh, turning nature into an asset class. It's a pretty interesting story, actually. Uh, and of course, it's just beyond fucking sick, but we'll, <laughs> we'll get into that later. I'm uh, going to start out on the energy crisis here in a bit, too. That's uh, We covered this a little bit in the Weekend Warrior show. So if you missed that, we encourage you to get over there, RedEyesMembers.com, get access to uh, all our content back to 2006. We have tons of material there for you. We do on the weekends an exclusive show called Weekend Warrior. Uh, and we covered the energy shortage a bit there. And this is kind of a follow-up, a little bit uh, uh, expansion to that topic, too. Uh, you know, it has to do with the, the shipping thing. They're blaming COVID for this. But there's other things going on here. Uh, you know, as we pivot towards the going carbon neutral and, you know, going into the green economy and all these kinds of bullshit, right? So it's kind of a manufactured uh, crisis, really, which uh, which is absolutely intentional. Uh, all right. Anyway, if you want to join us today, Entropy Stream is open. EntropyStream.live slash TV. You can join us over there with Super Chats. We'll read those on the air. Then we have monetized Odyssey as well. Uh, that's odyssey.com slash at TV slash live. Uh, and uh, so you can do crypto and USD and stuff over there too, if the if you so uh, please. Uh, and we do have CoinTree as well, which is uh, strictly a crypto-based uh, super chat function. You can attach messages uh, to there with a couple of different currencies: Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and Dash. Uh, always keep an eye on that as well. All right, let's uh, let's dive into this here. Then we have a lot of things to. Let me just pause that for a second. There we go. Um, just make sure everything's working and up and ticking here. Uh, but I think we're good. I think we're good to go. Uh, let's start with this. We're gonna, you know, as I said, we're gonna talk about the energy crisis here in the beginning. Uh, but let's check out a clip from Siberia first. Uh, I guess it's, I mean, somewhat related to Russia allegedly. This, when it comes to Europe, is is kind of being blamed 
uh, for the increased energy prices uh, in the uh, in the EU and Europe overall. So we'll talk about that. Uh, but apparently, a, a a boiling sinkhole showed up all of a sudden uh, in Siberia, uh, swallowing two cars. I'm, I'm not sure why it's boiling. Is it a hot? Uh, what do you call it? A, a geothermal source underneath, or is there pipes or something? I'm not sure why. Why this? It's a. Um, I think it's a pipeline actually, a burst pipeline. So I'm not sure if it's just boiling water, or if they if this is for oil or other things, but it's under the uh, under the road, so presumably it would be for just running warm water. I, I would assume. I just didn't know it was running at that temperature, like literally boiling. But anyway, check this out. That's kind of interesting. Is uh, bringing down two cars uh, and almost the third one down into it. Uh, check this out. Here. But you can poach some eggs in that. I would say here, no one was injured, but three uh, hospitals and 21 apartment buildings uh, were left without heating. Uh, so I guess it's just the the heating the heating system uh, pipeline or something like that, right? Is there water in those? I thought they had them. I remember the kind of the um, radiator system we had in Sweden. We ran, I think, oil in most of those. Uh, but uh, anyway, what are you going to do? Uh, Siberia, good stuff. All right, so... <laughs> So let's uh, let's talk about this here. Uh, energy crunch heating U.S. homes set to break the bank this winter. That's right. So if you think you're going to struggle with all the vaccinated people, maybe not showing up to work, maybe actually dying or something like that, uh, well, uh, you're also going to struggle with paying your heating bills. As they're expecting the U.S. to uh, also suffer from, I'm not sure how they know this, but apparently a uh, exceptionally cold winter as well. Uh, so let's check out this article from Al Jazeera here. Heating bills in the U.S. are set to soar this winter as global prices for natural gas, heating oil, and other fossil fuels surge. Winter is coming and consumers in the U.S. had better brace themselves for a sharp rise in heating bills. That was the message from the U.S. Energy Information Agency. They said, as we head into winter 2022 or 2021 to 2022, retail prices for energy are at a near multi-year highs in the United States. Uh, the EIA said on Wednesday in its latest short-term energy outlook, we expect that households across the United States will spend more on energy this winter compared to the past several winters because of these high energy prices and because we assume a slightly colder winter than uh, last year in much of the United States. They, that, I'm not sure how they figure that one out, but what are you going to do? Uh, the number make for a grim reading for households already struggling to make ends meet and which must now contend with soaring costs for natural gas, electricity, heating oil, and propane. Households that rely primarily on natural gas for heating, only half of the U.S., are expected to spend 30% more on average to keep warm this winter. If temperatures are 10% colder than average this winter, they could see heating bills climb 50% or more. Holy shit. The roughly 40% of U.S. households that stay warm with electricity are expected to spend 6% more on average this winter, significantly less than than if you're talking about natural gas. Interesting. And 15% more if temperatures are colder than average. The 5% of U.S. households that rely on propane are uh, 
are really in for some stick, uh, sticker shock. Have you heard that term for Some sticker shock? I haven't heard that term before. Uh, they could see their heating bills soar 54% on average this winter and could up pay, paying 94% even, uh, more if winter is colder. Wow. The EIA, uh, the EIA defines the winter heating season as October through March. Its expectation for a colder winter is based on forecasts from, uh, from NOAA. Skyrocketing heating bills promise to heap even more pain on U.S. households, especially uh, low-income ones that are also having to contend with higher costs for other uh, essentials like food and shelter. And, of course, that's also going up, right? We have the uh, inflation, the food prices going up, there's shortages, there's supply chain issues. You're not going to get all your cheap Chinese, uh, you know, uh, plastic toys this year, it looks like. Oy vey, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, but, of course, this is, I mean, being, you know, serious here, this will extend to Things that actually will impact people too, because you can't, you know, semiconductors. There's shortage of that. Uh, vital, you know, production things, which basically uh, much of the West and, and the U.S. and and you know have, have outsourced to uh, to countries like China and you know Taiwan. Uh, India is producing a lot. You know, there's it's, it's all going over to Asian countries basically, right? So we uh, read a an Atlantic piece or part of an Atlantic piece of the over the weekend where. Uh, in the Week in Warrior show, and they actually talked about, surprisingly, I was shocked by this, the Atlantic, the globalist outlet, the Atlantic, actually proposed that the U.S. begin to produce more at home. Can you, can you, can you imagine that? It's going great for, uh, for the globalist project, I guess. Uh, so in the wake of this, the White House asks kindly for uh, oil and gas companies to help lower fuel costs. I'm sure that's gonna, I'm sure that's gonna work out just fine. Is that, a, how involved is this? I didn't know there was a paywall thing. Let's see if they have that on uh, archive here. Um, here it is. Okay. The White House has been speaking with U.S. oil and gas producers in recent days about helping to bring down rising fuel costs, according to two sources familiar with the matter. I always love them uh, saying that. Energy costs are rising worldwide, in some cases leading to shortages in major economies like China and India. And the U.S. average retail cost of a gallon of gas is at a seven-year high, and winter fuel costs are expected to surge, according to the U.S. That's what we, you know, talked about. Uh, but yeah, so we've seen uh, power outages in China. Apparently, some of the factories are running like, was it something like three days, you know, on two day, uh, two days, and then plus the weekend off, right? Stuff like that. Lebanon, uh, which of course is doing very, very poorly, uh, you know, economically speaking. And in other way, uh, ways as well, uh, mostly because of you know Israel and Hamas and s- sanctions and all that kind of stuff, right? There, um, they have uh, t- near total blackouts in, in uh, you know in their capital, Beirut and other areas too. And Hamas was bringing in oil from Iran, actually. And of course, uh, how could you possibly see them as bad guys? They're actually helping to run the country at this point. Um, so this is uh, this is set to uh, to worsen here, obviously. And of course, it doesn't help to you know it's not going to work to ask these ask these companies. I mean, this is completely a, a, a self-inflicted wound in the sense that I think we're going to, we're just remarkably going to go over to, um, you know, to green and a green economy. You know, carbon offset, you know, absolute zero. We're going to be a net zero carbon. Uh, we're going to just build the wind and solar farms everywhere. And of course, this is not meeting, you know, it, it's, not ma- it's not making up for what we're losing uh, by decommissioning uh, coal, you know, coal power plants and things like that. And although that might not be ideal, I, I still think on some level, you know, nu- nuclear. I mean, I wish they were invest more in, uh, you know, fusion. Uh, obviously, coal fusion would be ideal, but even tokamak reactors and other exciting things out there. And apparently China is working on some of this stuff, but I'm not sure why they're not, you know, I guess not ready yet, you know, fire that up or whatever. Uh, but in the absence of those technologies, 
um, you just have to go for nuclear uh, nuclear power, right? And apparently there are ways now uh, you can deal with the uh, uh, the spent uh, nuclear f- nuclear fuel as well. I forget if it was you could utilize basically neutralize it or utilize every every like all the aspects from it or something like that. It's still running a very you know low end kind of. It, it's still literally like boiling a pot of water though. That that's, <laughs> that's like the the what do you call it the trans transversion the trans. Um, that's uh, the term I'm looking for when it comes to energy, the transformation, I guess, of the energy, right? Of going from actually being, you know, radioactive and producing heat. We're still down to not absorbing that heat or doing something more interesting with that. But it's still like we're, we're literally just boiling water that drives a turbine, turbine you know. Uh, but but still, it's still better than, uh, than other options, I think. Uh, energy crisis in wake-up call for Europe to ditch fossil fuels, which is a completely contradictory headline here. I would think if it's you know if it's getting colder and people talk about a you know modern minimum a, an ice a mini ice age maybe even a full on ice age that we're entering into uh, maybe because of uh, solar you know activity or lack of thereof and things like that uh, why would you go away from fossil fuels at this point unless they're you know actually trying to claim that it's like well it's running out or whatever some some there's some theories and speculation and some research that seem to indicate that some of these um, oil sources replenish. Uh, abiotic oil, right? So one of the other interesting theories here. Not sure what to make of that. But anyway, listen to this video here. Some of the arguments never make sense when you talk about this kind of stuff. Like, what do I mean? You're going to go over to you. The most logical thing would be you have to fall back on, on, on things that actually are proven to work, right? Uh, anyway, listen to... Uh, so this is a global issue. So it's not just predictions of $100 oil. It's huge increases in natural gas prices. Even coal costs are skyrocketing. Walk us through first what's causing this and if there's an end in sight. Well, Allison, uh, like everything else right now, supply is just not keeping up with demand. Uh, we've seen uh, demand for energy return because people are flying more, they're driving more, they're commuting. Uh, the- Didn't we just have lockdowns in the most parts of the world? <laughs> Did we just go through this of like people are not flying, uh, they're not driving to work, they're not being out and about. How can how can demand be up unless they're arguing that, well, more people they spend more time at home and therefore that's energy cost because it's, you know, then you have to eat heat all the homes and electricity in those homes, all of those homes, as opposed to people going to one office, which I would assume be cheaper to heat one building as opposed to multiple ones, even though they're smaller or something. something give me something. It doesn't make sense. Anyway, keep listening here. The problem is that whether it's coal or natural gas or oil supply Uh, has not kept up. And I think there's a lot of reasons why. On the supply front, let's look at oil first. Uh, OPEC is still holding back um, a lot of barrels. Uh, It took off an unprecedented amount of production uh, back in March and April 2020, and it's been gradual, very slow to return those barrels. Okay, so they did that because of the pandemic, right? Didn't they do that? Everything shut down and stuff, right? why are they not picking up who's who's can pressure them to just pick up the uh, the uh, the pacer again is, is this what's i mean i know in the uk with the gas shortage there uh, and the increased prices and stuff they're talking about that that's because they just don't have drivers and stuff but i've heard from people in the uk that say that's just not that's just not true they're trying to blame it on a labor shortage and like where did where did everybody go did everybody die of the vax already and they're just not telling us i i, I don't understand um 
You're telling me there's not people that could drive these trucks? You know, they're going to bring in the army. I think the UK was talking about this. It's crazy, right? But anyway, let's uh, keep going. Uh, the same thing uh, with U.S. oil. Uh, it's also been slow to return production. Um, when you look at coal, we know that coal has fallen out of favor uh, with many governments. Which um, is at this point just dumb, frankly. They should just pick that up again. Around the world. And uh, it just is not viewed as, as economical. And uh, we've seen a lot of power plants shift away from coal. They've gone to natural gas and renewables instead. Um, and so now there's actually more of a need for coal. So we've seen coal prices spike up. And then there's there's natural. So how there's more. OK, let me listen to that again. I don't want to be micro picking on this guy, but it's just the supply has gone up. The, the demand for it has gone up, but it's fallen out of favor with the major governments, which means no one fewer and fewer governments and nations are using it to buy with. How can demand for it have gone up? This just doesn't. Are you just making something up? Just can you just come on and just speak different words to us for uh, two minutes, and then we'll claim we're covered. This uh, we've seen a lot of power plants shift away from coal. They've gone to natural gas and renewables instead. Okay, so that is that why the natural gas is going up then? Would, again, why is coal being falling out of favor? Because of the carbon thing and the climate crisis, right? Um, and so now there's actually more of a need for coal. So we've seen coal prices spike up. And then there's more need for I, I, I don't understand. It's just he's just he's too high Q for me. There's natural gas. Um, part of that is uh, the fact that oil production is down. And, and when you produce oil, you, you produce a certain amount of natural gas. Uh, also, we've seen weather related events. Uh, there hasn't been as much. Uh, strong wind in Europe, and so that has... <laughs> That's just beautiful, right? Oh, man, imagine that. Oh, well, there's no wind. Can't uh, can't turn on the fridge, honey, or can't uh, get any heating because there was less wind. Oh, my God. It's just it, they're phasing out everything, and they're, like, de they're demolishing our, our, our living standards intentionally, uh, and then they're blaming... They're going to blame ignorance for this. They're going to say, oh, well, this was... Uh, we thought we could, uh, you know, make up for this with uh, solar and wind and, and, and things like this, right? Uh, you know, there's people speculating that there's some really interesting options out there. I still don't know about that. We've heard about a lot over the years. We've covered some of it. And, and, and you know, there's, uh, there's speculation that some people that have had in innovation in this area, energy production and or even conversion or even extraction, however you want to view on it, uh, they have been uh, taken out of circulation, basically, because they are... Uh, they, they, they are it would enable people to 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 power their homes fairly uh, cheaply and their vehicles and things like that, uh, and it wouldn't generate as much money. Uh, anyway, let's has hurt uh, the generation of wind, um, and the other thing with um, natural gas is to remember that you know Russia is a huge player on the natural gas front, and Russia is actually exporting less natural gas go. today to Listen Europe to than it was in 2019, and the IEA recently basically called out Russia and said they think that Russia can do more. Uh, so we have to see if Vladimir Putin decides to try to send some more oil, uh, sort more natural gas to Europe or, or not. So basically it's Russia's fault. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, okay. Shut up, Shatner. I don't want to say anything about that. Did he go to space or what happened with that? Star Trek actor William <laughs> Shatner reached is, space? Uh... All right, anyway, I don't want to watch that. Anyway, you get the idea. Um, Putin says Russia is not using gas as a weapon, claims U.S. added to energy crisis. And in fact, Putin said we've sent more natural gas to Europe. I think he said 15% more than they did last year or something like that. So as usual, the wires are crossing and the beams are crossing and we can never get a straight answer. I was trying to find some statistics on this to, to figure this out. Uh, and it wasn't easy. 
just like how you know how much natural gas uh, is is uh, uh, Russia providing to Europe annually and things like that, and it was like a jungle of just like trying to get a straight answer on this. Uh, so I'm not sure what's true in this uh, in this department. I would figure, and it's not because you know we we, we love Putin or anything like that, but I would figure we would, we would be the West would be lying about something like this. Uh, although there is a, of course, a, a true and clear incentive by Putin to be able to use this to leverage this to his to, to their favor. Of course, <laughs> totally would understand that they would do too. Uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin said Russia stands ready to help Europe as its energy crisis continues. He denied that Russia was using energy as a weapon against its neighbor. Putin said Europe's gas crisis was largely its own fault and that other suppliers, including the U.S., had reduced supplies to the region. Um, interesting. We are not using any weapons, Putin told CNBC in Moscow on Wednesday, uh, according to a translation, implying like we don't even know if that's true. Maybe they translated it wrong. Uh, even during the hardest part of the Cold War, Russia regularly has fulfilled its contractual obligation uh, and supply supplies gas to Europe, he said. Describing reports that Russia has withheld gas supplies to Europe, Putin called such accusations politically motivated blather and there was nothing to support it. Uh, the idea that we use energy as a kind of weapon, on the contrary, he said Russia was expanding its supplies to Europe. And I think he said something like, We've increased it with 15%. I listened to the clip earlier. It was kind of boring, so we don't have to listen to it. Um, and so they're having some uh, Russia Energy Week, I guess, this week or something like that. Uh, but, uh, okay, higher gas prices in Europe are a consequence of a deficit of energy and not vice versa. And that's why we should not deal uh, in blame shifting. This is what our partners are trying to do. He told delegates at the event, the European gas market does not look to be well-balanced and predictable, uh, he said, with the main reason being, he added, that not everything in this market depends on the producers. Uh, no lesser role is played by the consumers of gas. Uh, anyway, interesting. So yeah, he said uh, uh, he said he, he, he they increased gas supplies to Europe by fifteen percent this year. So is he lying or is Europe lying? Is uh, the uh, uh, the puppets in uh, in the U.S. media lying? I would assume it's the U.S. media, but but you never know, right? Uh, so China, of course, uh, is saying uh, fuck that green shit. Uh, we're building more uh, coal-fired power plants because we're not going to deal with this bullshit uh, of rolling blackouts and going green and all that gay stuff. So China plans to build more coal-fired plants. Uh, deals blow to UK's COP26 ambitions. I forget what COP stands for again, but it was the uh, it's the environmental annual conference that they have uh, each year. Renewed commitment to coal could scupper Britain's aim to secure global phase-out pact at climate summit. So, you know, China saying no more feminist uh, gay things on TV to our uh, kids. Uh, the boys need to be exposed to more manly role models, right? They're doing they're doing good things here. They're building coal power, power plants. Uh, China plans to build more coal-fired power plants uh, and has hinted that it will rethink its timetable to slash emissions in a significant blow to UK's ambitions for securing a global agreement on phasing out coal at the COP26 climate summit in Glasgow. In a statement after meeting uh, of Beijing's National Emergency Energy Commission, uh, the Chinese premier, Li Qiangang, something like that, stressed the importance of regular energy supply after swaths of the country were plunged into darkness by rolling blackouts that hit factories and homes. Are, are they going to do, are they going to build those plants in the same way they built uh, the uh, hospitals during the early phase of the COVID outbreak? Do you guys remember that? Uh, they were like throwing up these, these um, what do you call them, like Ikea style <laughs> you know, COVID hospitals and just like, you know, one after the other. Uh, I'm not sure what came of that, but um, 
I'm sure if they wanted to, they could build it very quickly. If we if we need to do something in the West, oh my God, it would take it'd take 50, 20 years. I mean, they would never do it. They would never build carbon, uh, you know, um, coal, uh, you know, coal power plants. But even if they did, they would say like, ah, we'll we'll take we'll take twenty years to do that. Uh, Bill Hoover over on Enterprise Stream says, I wonder if any of the companies that are paying Hunter Biden will benefit from the crisis. You talk was that the. Uh, you're talking about the Burisma stuff or something like that? Was that some of the, you talk about the Ukraine, uh, was that energy companies? I forget which one that was. Um, I think some of it was energy, but I think it was some other stuff too. I just remember the Clintons and the uh, the uranium thing, right? They they uh, they were actually selling America's uranium or something, right, to Russia. Stuff like that. Uh, no, nuclear power, that's the way to go. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate that. Um, okay, so we also, of course, have the issue of the supply chains, Right, so let's talk about that a little bit. Um, White House scrambles to address looming Christmas crisis. Uh, so, as we know, all of this is <laughs> ultimately down to it's down to are we going to get our cheap Chinese shit uh, in time for all of this? Uh, you know, for, for the for the Christmas uh, season, essentially. Right, that's what they're uh, that's what they're uh, uh, worried about here. Now, again, as I said, there is there is some real genuine worry about it too, in the sense that. Um, some of the vital stuff that we do need to keep industry going and things like that it also seems to be on the chopping block when it comes to the supply chain. So it's not only about your you know cheap plastic crap, uh, but actually vital uh, things as well. It says here, the congested supply chain is disrupting the holiday season and creating a political and economic headache that could undermine Biden's economic recovery plans. That's right, because right now, Biden is uh, what he's known for right now. Uh, Joe Biden is the economic recovery plan uh, that's happening uh, right about now. I think think it's happening now. Am I not wrong? President Joe Biden is uh, uh, to relieve congestion across the nation's complex shipping supply chains with double chocolate chip ice cream as it threatens to disrupt the holiday season for millions of Americans with just over 10 weeks until Christmas, the White House is leaning heavily on port operators, transportation companies, and labor unions to work around the clock unloading ships and hauling cargo to warehouses around the country. So this has gotten some traction in the uh, in the last couple of weeks, I think, with all of these ships off of the uh, off of the specifically the West Coast, the L.A. port. There's a couple of other ports, I think, in California as well. Where they're just sitting there. These ships are just, what's happening here, right? And they're, well, they're, they, this is complicated. This is uh, pandemic things and COVID. And uh, it's like, I think there's more to this than that. This is the, uh, the, this is the absolute zero. This is the intentional uh, destruction of the system, right? This is, this, the strategy here is called order out of chaos, right? We know that these people, they want to build essentially a, a, a ledger-based, or if you prefer, then a blockchain-based uh, Internet of Things type of supply chain, which ties into the fourth industrial revolution and things like that. And we wouldn't just pivot to these kinds of things if there was no reason to do so. So there you have to inter- introduce a problem. And the pandemic, of course, is the is the, the perfect excuse to do this. Doesn't mean that there are, I, I do generally believe there are some issues as a consequence of this. And of course, it might be even worsened, of course, with the massive amounts of people that have gotten vaccinated if and when they start to get sick, as many people speculate then you would see a potential, abs- I mean, an absolute collapse of that. And it would be, 
depending on the numbers, depending on how sick people get them, we might not only talk about deaths here. We might talk about people that just get so, I mean, they get sick. They, 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 they call in sick. They can't go to work. They're sick, right? Who's going to show up and do that job? Of course, at the end of this, if Klaus Schwab gets to decide, well, the robots show up, the AI shows up, the, the, your replacement, the automation shows up and takes care of that. But in the short term, that means uh, standstill when it comes to these kinds of things, right? Biden will meet virtually Wednesday with industry leaders before delivering a speech on the administration's effort to address the bottlenecks. I think they have a clip on that in the bottom here. Supply chain mess risk creating new economic and political turbulence for, the Biden in the, for Biden in the coming months. Empty store shelves could undermine the administration's economic recovery plans and weigh on consumer confidence. And memories of a disappointing Christmas could linger into 2022, with supply chain problems expected to last much longer than many officials and economists expect expected just a few months ago. Uh, check these on entropy real quick here. Black Phillips says, Henrik, I have trouble trusting what's going on with the supply chain issue and supposed lack of labor. I don't buy the mainstream media narrative, and it seems fake and gay. Almost on purpose to raise prices artificially is on the state is not your friend. No, that's absolutely true. I think there is something to that. Uh, I think they're messing about to create the the chaotic conditions so that they can offer us the solution to come in and say, well, look at this. We have all this fancy new technology here. And we're going to have, uh, you know, Internet of Things and we're going to connect everything. And it's going to be all knowing and all seeing and uh, omnipotent AI is going to oversee the very complex shipping systems and stuff like that. Granted, it has become more and more complicated over the years. Uh, as more and more, you know, production is outsourced, and then you have to ship in. But again, now we're seeing the the the, fa- the failure of these kinds of systems, right? Um, and globalization overall. The, the the solution here would be, of course, to bring back jobs uh, to the West, which have outs- outsourced them. We have become the West. Basically, are the paper pushers. This is how they break down the global, you know, into the globe into zones, essentially, right? The West, uh, you know, Europe, America specifically, but to a certain degree in Australia and, you know, basically the, where there's white people have become the paper pushers, the administrators, uh, the policy makers, if you will. And then you have uh, South America has become a kind of like a breadbasket, a lot of the production, food, fruits, vegetables, these kinds of things happening there. Uh, of course, it's happening in other parts too. But then Asia is like the production there. That's where everything is is made, essentially, you know, things like that. And they were seeking to like, we can readjust the whole. Gl- I remember there's stories like that out of Sweden where they're like, they could have brought back uh, production of the Saab, you know, automobile, for example, and things like that. Volvo, of course, have been outsourced for the most part and sold off and stuff like that. But the government had an option and an opportunity at some point to help out in some of the deals to keep them going and stuff. And the, basically, there were representatives from the government there that were overseeing this, and they were basically saying, "No, we're 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 doing fine. We we don't we don't want a production economy. We want uh, an administrative one." And so that's not a secret that they've kind of tried to do it that way. Lycan Warrior says, um, video, Catholic Nun says COVID-19 vaccines are uh, a globalist plot for depopulation control. Pope Francis and their spiritual leader. Interesting. Maybe we can check that out in the uh, vax segment. Thank you for the link, Lycan. I appreciate that. Let me put that in down below. Um, I think I should open it though one second guys let me open that right away because otherwise i might lose it and <laughs> lose it in the flow later on uh, if i had the windows open already thank you i appreciate that let me put that in there uh let me see somewhere around there should be fine okay thank you appreciate that close a couple of windows here okay yeah let's check out the video here let's see what they're talking about uh jen let's circle around to that saki 
speaking about the uh, supply chain issues and the White House. Walmart, uh, UPS, FedEx, Samsung, Home Depot, and Target are using more off-peak and nighttime hours to increase throughput. These commitments will move more goods faster, including toys, just in case you were wondering, uh, appliances, my kids are, and furniture that Americans... What about the toys, guys? ...purchased online or at their local small businesses, and parts that are uh, sent to U.S. factories for our workers to assemble into products, which will strengthen the resiliency of our supply chains. Today, the Port of Los Angeles is expanding to 24-7 operations, which means it has nearly doubled the hours that cargo will be able... You tell me they haven't done that yet? You're telling me there's been months and months of that and they didn't do that yet? That's That in and of itself is incredible, right? But again, then it's like that it's vaccine mandates and then you have to eat you know, lockdowns and there's like all these things on top that's compounding the issue. We, we, we understand this, but it, you're telling me they can they'll bring in more people and I don't know. It's just it's just faking it. To move out of its docks. On the supply chain issue, um, Secretary Buttigieg is saying that there may be challenges for last-minute shoppers. Secretary Yellen says there could be isolated shortages of goods in the coming months. So can you give us a realistic breakdown of um, what Americans could be facing on these shortages come the holiday season? What, what are we talking about? For shipment of goods, which I assume yes. is what you're asking yes. about. So uh, the reason uh, that the president has been working so hard for months, uh, long before the last few weeks, to address supply chain issues Let's is because go, he, knows, Brandon. Uh, he knew uh, they were multifaceted um, and that they were impacting a lot of different industries. I know you're asking about shipment. No, he's asking about the chip, the chocolate chip, double chip, or tri chocolate chocolate double chip. Chocolate ice cream. Uh, and the shipment and movement of goods. And obviously the announcement today related to the ports uh, is a reflection of action taken by the president, by this administration to uh, to to have an immediate impact. Uh, obviously, there's more that we will continue to press to. There's more you could have done. Like we're doing an Internet show. We knew about this at least six, seven months ago. <laughs> you tell me that. Well, we're doing those things right now, and now we've increased the port uh, activity at the L.A. port. To be done uh, as we're looking to increase the shipment of goods moving more quickly. That's one of the uh, one Sometimes of the bottlenecks. You, you, this is why people think it's incompetence, is why people confuse that and think that, well, our leaders are obviously dumb and not intelligent. And we're just suffering from a, uh, from a, a you know, an oligarchy that are just too dumb to understand how to do it. These are just the front uh, men and the spokesperson to give us excuses. Uh, these are not the people that are they're the root cause of why this is happening, right? Uh, they're just there to defend like the current regime, basically. In the supply chain that will help address uh, those concerns people have. Um, look, we we I can't make a prediction for me for you that we're going to solve every issue tomorrow and next week. We're not. We're coming out of an economic. Uh, crisis caused by a uh, coming out we're coming out of an economic crisis see this is what they'll do like they'll put they'll put they'll push dim you know not dementia joe but dementia janet yellen up on stage to to make three minute pauses while she's arguing that everything is totally fine if we can just lift the debt ceiling and just get get the united states but uh 20 extra trillion into debt then we'll 
that will fix the problem. You see, that's if we can do it that way, not a problem whatsoever. Uh, a pandemic. Uh, but what we are doing is working to uh, using every tool at our disposal to ease the impact on the American people, ease the impact on families. Uh, as they're, we they're look to the they have literally spent the last 20. I mean, this has been going on for decades. Don't get me wrong. This is nothing to do with the Biden regime. I'm not trying to say it's their fault or something, but <laughs> but like what they have been doing the last 20 months is, is literally is to make things as as horrible as difficult as possible right forceful medical procedures experimental medical procedures in order for you to return to work or participate in society uh just the big you know these trillion dollar spending bills and stuff like that getting your future generations further in debt which they never will be able to pay back it's incredible the lies that they just keep pushing right archie says over on entropy stream a uk politician has suggested turning the new Afghani refugees into truck drivers. I was waiting for something like that. Uh, to reduce fuel delivery shortages. That will be great for lighting up mall at Christmas time. <laughs> that's, that's right. Uh, they will indeed light up those malls. Remember, in, um, was that in Germany a number of times? I forget if it was... I don't think it was maybe exclusively Afghan refugees, but a few of them I definitely know. There's been a lot of attacks on the Christmas um, uh, markets, right, that they have in Germany. And they're very angry about this, whether it's uh, our uh, pagan themes like the Christmas tree or the manger scene or something like that, right? They're, they're, they're very upset about this and, and they don't like that. Um, I was waiting for that. And even, but see, even from that perspective, like how, how can there be a shortage? They're literally in poor. I mean, I know, okay, I know these people don't go to work, et cetera, and stuff like that, right? But there's more people than there are um uh, jobs available. Obviously, that's been a, the, the case for many, many years, right? Uh, it's very interesting. Uh, Odinland says, we're moving to northern Idaho at the end of the month. Glad we have like-minded people like you and Vincent James close by. Well, let us know. Reach out. Uh, send us an email. RedEyesAtProtomail.com. Let us know. That's uh, good to hear. Uh, and welcome to the uh, community. It's uh, a bunch of good people up here. So uh, good to hear that. Thank you, uh, Odinland. Cockfree Zone says, the problem with all of these supply issues is that those in charge of making decisions to deal with uh, with it, hate us and want to replace, uh, want us replaced slash dead. So no matter what they, um, what, uh, let me say, so no matter what they weigh, uh, we can't trust them even if they are telling the truth. Well, that's that's true. Yeah, um, th th they they are, they want to make it as difficult for us as possible. That's absolutely true. Uh, they hate us. They want us gone. And so this is not every every discussion that you have that you hear in the mainstream like this is about thrashing at the branches and and it's kind of a it's not that it's not it, it's going to turn into a serious issue so it's of course worth to discuss but like they're thrash, thrashing at the branches of this thing and they, and they will never go to the root of the problem uh, to see what the origins are and see what you know what their role in it to make it worse as well uh, so that's true thank you cuck free zone bill hoover again says i'm calling bs they're trying to hype up the economy to get people to buy a bunch of goods now because uh, the car is doing the car is doing so terribly because of the COVID vaccine mandates. It's a, uh, the car. You mean the production, I think, right? Is that what you're talking about, Bill? Uh, because the car is doing so terrible because of the COVID vaccine mandates. Yeah, I know there's been car, uh, car sales. Of, are, were they down? It was, I, I've seen contradictory info about this. I think it was 2020, by the way, the stats I saw from the car sales, and they were still like fairly good or something. But 2021, they've been much lower. I think that, I think that was the, the difference. Um, but yeah, I call BS on the two. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate that. Odin Land again says, we have two young boys 
Uh, Vigo and Einar, nice names, I like that. Uh, we would like to get a nationalist homeschooling system going. Grandma is like-minded retired teacher. Any thoughts? Yeah, that's a good uh, good thing to take off air, of course, but uh, reach out to us and, and uh, we'll definitely have to discuss something like that. I appreciate it uh, and uh, and welcome when you're up here. Appreciate it. Robothink says, late uh, to the show, are you and Lana doing a live Halloween weekend warrior or any uh, and any offensive costume plans? So I think what, what I think we'll do is we have Halloween on the, what, what is it again, 31st, right? So that's Sunday uh, in two and a half weeks. So what I think we'll do is we'll do our Halloween thing on the 29th, on the Fridays. We'll, we'll merge it in with the Flashback Friday show. The only thing we haven't decided yet, I think we'll get some, we'll try to get some, some costumes going. We'll see, if, we'll see if we can peak the offensiveness of it from, the, from prior years. I don't think I'm doing a blackface, though. I, don't, I think this... <laughs> We'd literally be thrown off of Odyssey for that. Uh, but anyway, I think. I, I don't know. Uh, but um, even though it's a joke, even though it's, it would be made you know, with, for good fun, you know, how the, you know how these things go. You can't make jokes these days. Uh, but uh, no, the only thing I haven't decided is, do we make it longer? Do we invite some other people? Or do we just kind of do a, a Halloween-themed, you know, kind of Flashback Friday show? So we're still working on that. But thank you, RoboThink. I appreciate that. Uh, we're, definitely, we're definitely doing something on it, though. Um, okay, let's see. Let's skip this. She just talks blabbering. There's one clip with Biden, too. Let's just see what he said about this real quick here. <clears throat> well, good afternoon, everyone. I know uh, you're hearing a lot about something called supply chains and how hard it is to uh, get a range of things from a toaster to sneakers to bicycles to bedroom furniture. <clears throat> and uh, that's why back in February, I signed a piece of legislation on supply chain, a, a executive order on supply chains, and what well, we had to move on it. And well, that worked great. It's, it's now <clears throat> it's now October. And the issues have just exacerbated. And nothing has been done. And today, you increased man hours at the port of LA. With the holidays coming up, you might be wondering if gifts you plan to buy will arrive on time. Well, let me explain. Supply chains essentially mean how we make things and how the material and parts get delivered to factory, a factory, so we can manufacture things and manufacture them here. How we move things, how a finished product moves from a factory to a store to your home, and today we have an important announcement that will get things you buy to you, to the shelves, faster. After weeks of negotiation and working with my team and with the major union retailers and freight movers, the ports of Los Angeles, the Port of Los Angeles announced today that it's going to be, begin operating 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I can't believe they're doing this so late. It, this is incredible to me. This follows these the ships have been these ships have been out there for I think well over a month and a half, if not two and a half months. I forget exactly when we started w watching that, but it was like you know the helicopter shots. People are filming it. There's people filming it from their boats when they're out there, just like ship after ship, full with containers, right? And then there's some bullshit about well. Um, was it the U.S. is not shipping as much? Of course, this has always been the case, but they're not shipping as much back to China. But apparently the containers are not being restacked and shipped back to China. So, the so that's increasing the price for renting per container when you ship your products and stuff like that. Um, 
This is art, this is artificially created, and they're trying to make excuses for it. And now it's way too late to do this, and and, and this is not going to. Even if they start working 24-7, I don't think that's going to make up for it, but uh, we'll see. Board of Long Beach's commitment to 24-7 that it announced just weeks ago. By increasing the number of late-night hours of operation and opening up for less crowded hours when the goods can move faster, today's announcement has the potential to be a game-changer. I say potential because all of these goods won't move by themselves. We need major retailers who ordered the goods and the freight movers who take the goods from the ships to factories and to stores to step up as well. Today, Walmart... Well, you're preventing that by issuing vax mandates where so people are quitting their jobs, they're not showing up to jobs. Then with the vaccine, people are getting sick, you know, double jabbed, getting ill or sick or tested positive for COVID, you're out of circulation. Uh, then the tracing apps, you were close to this person, you tested positive, he's out now too, right? You know what? You know what's happening. Walmart, our nation's largest retailer, is committing to go all in on moving this pro its products 24/7 from the ports to their stores nationwide. Specifically, Walmart is committing as much as a 50% increase in the use of off-peak hours over the next several weeks. Additionally, FedEx and UPS, two of our nation's biggest freight movers, are committing today to significantly increase the amount of goods they're moving at night. And other companies are stepping up as well. They include Target, Home Depot, and Samsung that have all committed to ramp up their activities to utilize off-peak hours at the ports. I want All right. Okay. Anyway, they're trying to make excuses. They're trying to claim that they're, well, we're working hard on this. We're trying to fix it, whatever. Interesting development. Florida invites cargo ships anchored off of California coast to make port in-state. Uh, if supply chain breakdowns caused by pandemic, why are Florida's ports open for business, but ports in blue states are shut down? Interesting. The state of Florida has invited the many cargo ships stranded off the coast of L.A. and Long Beach to make port in the Sunshine State, noting it's open for business and not shut down by COVID restrictions. And I think we have a clip here, too. Let's play this. I don't think it's too long. New at 530, we've seen major backups at ports in other major cities like New York and Los Angeles. But what about here in South Florida? We aren't seeing the same traffic, but some importers say delays here could drive up prices. CBS 4's Jacqueline Quinn has more on how this could impact your wallet. Here's one of the cargo ships coming in here with the containers. And, you know, for the most part, these ships are able to come here into Port Everglades and then unload and then leave again. And that's what the bigger picture here in South Florida really looks like. You can see the problem in Los Angeles area ports above and in real time with marine traffic mapping. Many cargo ships waiting to come into the ports. That problem has yet to show up in South Florida, where it's busy but clear. I haven't seen that level of delays here in Miami, at least. What the fuck was that? What the fuck was that, Sean? <laughs> what am I looking at here, Chad? What is that? Is that plastic and a flower? What is that? I haven't seen that level of delays here that's in Miami. That's an award-winning local news clip right there, folks. Me, at least as far as perishables go, so I don't think even for dry cargo. Andreas Campo is CEO of HLB Specialties. He talked to us during a business trip in Guatemala. Because obviously you get tired after a while of eating the same that you have been eating all your life. Campo tells us the pandemic has changed people's habits and driven demand. Oh, just chat says it's a dragon fruit, but it's just a weird shot. Wasn't it a bizarre shot there? Anyway. For tropical fruits, which he imports to large chains. And with that 
that extra demand came more pressure on us to bring more fruit. In contrast to Los Angeles, South Florida is seeing ship traffic flow faster, but Campo faces another problem at Port Miami. What we have seen is delays after the containers are at the port released uh, because we're having shortage of drivers that can move out the cargo from the port into final delivery yeah. to... So everyone is talking about this with the driver, right? And I'm just... It has to be because the vaccine thing, right? We've seen in Australia, we saw the truckers, you know, uh, and France uh, truckers have been doing, um, you know, protests and stuff like that, right? They don't want the m mandates and stuff. I haven't heard much about that in the U.S. Um, the U.K., I would assume, would be a similar issue, something like that. But they're trying to pin it on shortages of drivers right now, uh, which is, I, I'm not sure it's entirely true. It's probably partially true, but it might not be as bad on that front as they say it is. All right. Anyways, we'll keep following that with the supply chains, uh, but there are solutions. But of course, they refuse to do this because the part of the, the nature of the game here uh, is to create problems so you can offer the solutions. All right. Um, this is an interesting little segment here we're going to do regarding the at, the at the root of it, the capitalist system always need new an, an injection of something to basically sink its teeth into and to ravage something, to squeeze it out, to add it into the global economy and an advantage, put it in debt and so forth, right? That's what we've seen uh, over the last few decades. We've seen various nations being dragged into the global economic system. Sweden, my country back in the 90s, uh, we basically kind of had a planned economy. It was still somewhat, you know, free market in a sense, but it was still a kind of a very locked, you know, socialist economic structure that we had. But uh, then we had a couple of uh, economic disasters. They, they opened up the market internationally and things like that. We had people like Soros buying up currency, trying to destroy the Swedish uh, Kruna, which they almost did, right? Early 90s was a massive crash. People have overspent, overborrowed and stuff like that. And so it was like a, a, a new victim on the global stage, right? And this has happened to many countries, of course, along the way. And those that refuse to create a central bank and set up the system and join the global network and stuff like that. Well, many of those countries, of course, have been invaded over the years, right? Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, Libya, you know, there's a slew of examples that we can take, right? Here's a, here's a new thing, though. That as, we, as we come to the end of that era of, like, new victims on the international stage to reach, now they're reaching out into new, into new areas, new spaces. And in this case, they're looking at listing a new natural asset class or nat natural asset companies, an asset class, that is targeting a massive opportunity in the ecosystem. In other words, nature in and of itself is going to be turned into a financial um, engine, right? A, uh, an, an asset class, a tradable uh, asset class. So this is regarding the New York Stock Exchange, but of course it's going to extend to other areas too. Let me review this here. Uh, interesting stuff. The New York Stock Exchange announced, and this is about a month old, this story announced the launch of a new asset class jointly developed with Intristic Exchange Group, or IEG for short, for natural asset companies, sustainable enterprises that hold the rights to ecosystem services produced by natural, working, or hybrid lands. Think about that for a little bit. Hold the rights to ecosystem services produced by natural working or hybrid lands. In other words, natural environment, natural land, right? You utilize that to turn it into an economic force. 
The new NACs, the natural asset companies, will be listed and traded on the New York Stock, Stock Exchange. IEG's founding investors, and the, again, that was Intristic Exchange Group. We'll talk more about them in a moment here. Uh, their founding investors included the Inter-American Development Bank and the Rockefeller Foundation. So it's totally, <laughs> totally, totally never the usual suspects. The New York Stock Exchange has also taken a minority stake in the company. According to IEG, NACs, again, a lot of abbreviations here, uh, IEG, the Intristic Exchange Group, uh, NACs, natural asset companies, enable natural asset owners to convert nature's value into financial capital. Convert nature's value into financial capital, providing additional resources necessary to power a sustainable future. We know we know what we know what that is. We we we've talked. We we this is the the green economy and you know, all that kind of stuff that they're talking about, right? But they need new they need new victims. They need new things to inject into this, you know, ever hungry system. New blood, you know. Give us the stem cells. The asset class was to and the adrenochrome. Give us uh, uh, uh blah, let me start over. The asset class was developed to enable exposure to the opportunities created by the estimated $125 trillion annual global ecosystem services market encompassing areas such as carbon sequestration right but this is uh, is this a sucking the carbon out of the air is that what they're talking about biodiversity and clean water biodiversity that literally means that literally means anything that's alive right anything that's in the biosphere so they've made it they put a value on this now. 125 trillion annual global ecosystem services market. Is this is this are the they they're seeking to 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 take over and run things in nature as a economic service, right? A, sub, a subscription service, I would assume, clean water, right? We've talked about the water wars before, of course, that's something that's coming. Uh, but of course, if you can truly you know, put um, venture capitalists and uh, and the likes of BlackRock and uh, what's the other one? Vanguard in charge of of providing uh, you know of of doing clean water as a subscription service. Then uh, why not? Including the water that's running out in the you know in the in the the in the rivers out there. Uh, Douglas Eager, the CEO of IEG, the uh, uh, inter. Intristic, was that the one IG? I forget. Uh, no, yeah, Intristic Exchange Group. That's right. He's the CEO of Intristic Exchange Group. Douglas Iger said, This new asset class on the New York Stock Exchange will create a virtuous cycle of investment in nature that will help finance sustainable development for communities, companies, and countries. Together, IEG and the New York Stock Exchange will enable investors to access nature's store of wealth and transform our industrial economy into one that is more equitable. Blah, 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 blah. Equity, diversity, uh, sustainability. We know what that means in there. That means ravage, take advantage, fool people into going along with it because it sounds good, right? In order to enable, oh, well, to me it doesn't sound good, but, you know, you know, equity doesn't sound good to me, but, you know, you know, 
you know what I'm saying. In order to enable investors to value the ecosystem services generated by NACs, IEG has also developed an accounting framework to measure ecological performance to complement GAAP financial statements. What does that stand for again? Um, in consultation with former FA FASB chairman Robert Hertz and leading accounting firms, the New York Stock Exchange stated that it will develop and seek SEC approval for unique listing requirements tailored to NACs and incorporating uh, IEG's accounting methodology. IEG and the New York Stock Exchange would then begin working with the first NACs to help prepare them for listing and trading as publicly held entities on the New York Stock Exchange. Stacey Cunningham, the president of the New York Stock Exchange Group, said, with the introduction of natural asset companies, the New York Stock Exchange plans to provide investors and innovative mechanisms to financially support the sustainability initiatives, blah, 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 they deem critical to our future. Our work with Intrinsic Exchange Group is another example of the New York Stock Exchange tapping into our community to drive our community to drive meaningful progress on ESG issues with a solution-based approach. Blah, 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 blah. There's another one. New York Stock Exchange's new investment vehicle, Natural Asset Companies, will tap into ESG's ESG fever. I'm sure if there's something new in this. Uh, America's most iconic stock exchange wants to bridge the gap between nature and the concrete jungle that is Wall Street. God, there's a lot of ads here. With investors now closely scrutinizing the environmental, social, and governance, or ESG credentials of companies, the New York... Is that some new ES, environmental, social, and governance? Corporate governance, we've heard a lot about that. Is this the... Uh, it's some new fad of like how, well, what's your ESG score, right? You have to provide, you have to prove that you're like how diverse your company is for getting a high score on certain things, right? It's, it's, I would assume it's part of that thing. I could be wrong. I haven't heard too much about, much about it, but that's what it sounds like. You know, and they claim that, it's, well, this is to keep, uh, you know, companies accountable and to, so that they do the right thing and stuff. And it never works in that, it never works in that capacity. And it's always, it's always a trick up their sleeve, essentially. Um, so anyway, the New York Stock Exchange on Tuesday unveiled a partnership two years in the making with Intrinsic Exchange Group to open up investment opportunities in what IEG calls nature's economy. There haven't historically been mechanisms to encourage the capital formation necessary to preserve, restore the natural assets that ultimately underpin the ability for there to be life on Earth. New York Stock Exchange CEO Michael Blau, uh, Blaugrand told Fortune, listen to that, that's there haven't historically been mechanisms to encourage the capital formation necessary to preserve and restore the natural asset that ultimately underpin the ability for there to be life on earth so they're seeing that they're seeking themselves to become an intermediary a financial capitalist market driven intermediary between you essentially right and 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 life on earth in and of itself or, or biodiversity nature so the big board is helping create one. The New York Stock Exchange has developed a new kind of listing vehicle that will be called a natural asset company, or NAC. Using NACs, is this, is this some new fad, kind of like uh, EFTs, right? The new, new things got to show up the, that the people get excited about financially and start investing and pouring money into those things. Uh, using NACs, governments, farmers, and other owners of natural assets will be able to form a specialized corporation 
that holds the right to the ecosystem services produced on a given chunk of land. Holy shit. Services like carbon sequestration or clean water. Then the company will tap the U.S. public markets by way of the New York Stock Exchange like any other entity would. The difference is that instead of using the capital raise to shore up a balance sheet, fund M&A, or buy back stock down the road, NACs will use the funds to help preserve a rainforest or undertake other conservation efforts like changing a farm's conventional agricultural production practices to regenerative methods. Oh, well, that sounds wonderful. I'm sure there's nothing. I'm sure this. what could possibly go wrong letting these people take over the natural processes of, of life on Earth itself? In return, investors will get access to a new form of sustainable investment, a space that has enthralled the likes of BlackRock CEO Larry Fink over the past several years, even though there remain big unanswered questions about it. A 2020 report from the U.S. SIF Foundation, not sure what that is, a non okay, they explain it here, thank you, a nonprofit that advocates for the adaptation of sustainable investing, found that out of uh, every $3, the uh, dollars under professional management in the U.S. at the end of 2019 was managed with a sustainable investment strategy. Oh, wonderful. Our hope is that owning a natural asset company is going to be a way that an increasingly broad range of investors have the ability to invest in something that's intrinsically, intrinsically valuable. That's right, because we are basically taught, you know, even with like things like modern monetary theory and things like that, we just everything is just basically theoretical. And of course, crypto is very much the same, although you buy crypto for actual, you know, US dollars and things. But if you think about it, nothing's backed by anything anymore. It's not good, you know not gold backed it's it's just you know numbers on screens essentially that's what it is right so there isn't anything there behind it so this would kind of make sense that they will want to try to attach economic i mean nature has an economic value to us because it, it it's we're dependent on it yeah so i understand that but this is a different thing altogether this is to intervene and and, and put themselves in between right um there was an interesting quote here let, let me keep reading here um, but up to this point, uh, that was really excluded from the financial markets, Blaugrand said. When public and an NAC will be required to file financial statements in accordance with U.S. accounting rules, just like any other public traded company. However, IEG, whose investors include the Intra-American Development Bank, we talk about that, the Rockefeller Foundation, and Abadair Ventures, has also developed a framework to measure the ecological performance of an NAC as a way to make up for any gaps in the traditional metrics. There's a lot of words there. Uh, but what? But what does it all mean? It means we'll fuck you over, and we'll take, we'll, 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 we'll start patenting nature, and we'll get to that in a moment. By the way, the ecological standards will include relevant, reliable, and understandable information on the flows of the ecosystem services the NACs produce, and their stocks of natural capital. Um, uh, the ecosystem services produce, uh, and their stocks of natural capital assets. Former Financial Accounting Standard Board of Chairman Robert Hertz said in a statement today, Hertz and several accounting firms helped advise IEG on the ecological framework's development. The New York Stock uh, Exchange has taken a minority stake in IEG, too, according to the statement Tuesday. The company did not disclose the investment's terms, though. The NYSC said the investment is not material to earnings or capital allocation plans uh, of its parent company into Continental Exchange. Um, okay, so it might be become available as soon as next year, according to that, if approved by the SEC. 
Um, so that's really it, right? Edge has already managed to uh, attract issuers collected from other countries and stuff like that, right? Uh, now, I had some more on this here, too. So here's the company, IEG, Intristic Exchange Group. Uh, the solution. An inclusive economy. They say here. So this is the company that's like given. This is what they're they're working on this new asset class together with the new X stock exchange. This is the guys behind it, right? IEG harnesses the very market forces that have intensified many social and environmental problems to instead create abundance, resilience, and compelling investment opportunity by including natural assets in the mainstream of the economy. We are pioneering a new asset class based on natural assets and the mechanisms to convert them to financial capital. These assets are essential, making life on Earth possible and enjoyable. Look at how they frame that, though. They're assets now. These, these capital assets are now, they're essential in making life on Earth possible and enjoyable. Look at how they're intervening themselves, putting themselves in between here. They include biological systems that provide clean air, water, foods, medicines, a stable climate, human health, and societal potential. The potential of this asset class is immense. Nature's economy is larger than our current industrial economy. And we can tap this store of wealth and productivity to protect and grow nature and to transform our economy to one that is more equitable, resilient, and sustainable. All the buzzwords from the green movement, right? And the, and the uh, anti-white, you know, equity, that's what that is, all the anti-white stuff, right? The IEG toolset connects our social totally values with economic and ecological realities. What does that even, what, is it, what, what do you even mean? What does that even mean? What do you mean? And so they have some stats here. Did I open the source for this here? Did I not have that? That's, that, would, that would be crazy if I didn't have that. Let me, let me, let me check here real quick. Um, let me see. Yeah, here it is. Sorry, guys. Let me, let me add this in. <clears throat> there was a good sec section here that we had. Let's do this. Let, while I pull that up, listen to this here. This is an, a different link here. I'll, I'll pull that up in a moment. Uh, this is a show here. I assume this is the official New York Stock Exchange uh, YouTube account. It's a long, it's a podcast, you know, 40, 44 minutes or whatever. Listen to the introduction. It's not It's not the CEO, Douglas Eager, uh, that's a CEO of Intrinsic Exchange Group talking here, but it's a guy introducing it. But just look at how it's framed and stuff like that and, and, and how they're explaining this. This is a new exciting, unlocking the value of nature with Intrinsic Exchange Group. Human innovation is on a constant journey to use technology to create new innovations for old problems. The archive of this podcast is filled with conversations with people who looked at an industry and realized that the status quo was limited, not by potential, but by outdated ways of doing business. Often, new solutions are built on platforms that use artificial intelligence and machine learning to collect, analyze, and act on data sets far larger than any human could hope to review. Take Jeff Sprecher and ICE, for example. ICE's network of exchanges allows investors to unlock value and access liquidity created by converting value into a tradable instrument. Over two decades, Jeff has taken the basic idea of using technology to make trading easier to access the world of energy, oil, agricultural products, interest rates, equities, and now mortgages, just to name a few. Sometimes, though, new problems can be fixed using old solutions. 
that brings us to the topic of our conversation today. The New York Stock Exchange and Intrinsic Exchange Group just announced that they're jointly developing a new class of publicly traded assets called Natural Asset Companies, or NACs. The idea is a revolutionary way to unlock the values stored in the environment, the natural world around us, by leveraging the 500-year-old solution of using an equity exchange to allow trading and investment in an asset. It's estimated that natural assets produce $125 trillion in value annually, and that's four times the total value of all the companies listed on the NYSE. These natural asset companies have the potential to offer more than just an investing opportunity. As Stacey Cunningham, president of the NYSE, said recently, with the introduction of NACs, the NYSE plans to provide investors an innovative mechanism to financially support the sustainability initiatives they deem critical to our future. Our guest today, Douglas Eager, is chairman and CEO of Intrinsic Exchange Group, the organization that we're working with on this effort to tap into our community to drive real progress on ESG issues with a solutions-based approach. He'll unpack his vision for unlocking the value of the environment and how NACs can be key to creating a more equitable, sustainable economy. Our conversation with Douglas Eager is coming up right after this. And I listen to Board diversity here. is important. Board diversity is important. Board diversity is important. Board diversity is very important. Not just because it's the right thing to do, but because diverse leadership at companies creates better companies. This is about <clears throat> So that's the ad they run right after. More diversity, more less white people is much better. And also let's now take over nature and and, and run the run it as a service, right? Pagan Bear over on Odyssey says, get Max Kaiser on to explain this for, for we grug brains. I have no idea how it works, but he may do better. Yeah, so my point of this is not to cover it that it's like, oh, you know, look at this new... Th and, and I'm not saying that that's what you're saying, Pagan Bear, but my point of covering this too. The part of it is it, it's... It's not... It's You're supposed to be confused by the language that they're using. All you have to know is... They're ravaging another aspect in this regard. They're going, they're sinking their claws into nature. That's the only thing you have to understand, right? And and so, but yeah, maybe he knows about that. I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure if it would come on, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> come on and, and, and talk about it with us or whatever. Uh, but here's a little bit more critique here. Uh, put different, this from Unlimited Hangout here. Put differently, right? Talking about what they're seeking to do. NACs will not only allow ecosystems to become financial assets, but the rights to ecosystem services or the benefits people receive from nature as well. These include food production. Of course, we've talked about the taker of the farms, the states paying people off to, to dispose and destroy crop, right? Bill Gates buying up all of the farmland and stuff. This is, this is part of that, reshuffling everything. Tourism, clean water, biodiversity, pollination, car pollination. Can you imagine when they patent a bee or even start uh, uh, replacing the bee with a nano, not a nanobot, but like a, a robot version of it or something like that? Who do you think is going to pay for pollination? That's going to be a that's going to be a, a service, a financial and equity, a, a tradable equities on the market with money, or you can you know. Carbon sequestration and much more. IEG is a current partner with Costa Rica's government to pilot its NAC efforts within that country. Costa Rica's Minister of Environment and Energy, Andrea Meza Murillo, has claimed that the pilot Meza Murillo has claimed that the pilot project with IEGs will deepen the economic analysis of given 
of giving nature its economic value as well as to con uh, continue mobilizing financial flows to conservation. With NACs, the New York Stock Exchange and the IEG, the Intrinsic Exchange Group, are now putting the totality of nature up for sale. While they assert that doing so will transform our economy to one that is more equitable, resilient and sustainable, it's clear that the coming owners of nature and natural processes will be the only real beneficiaries. Per IEG, NACs first begin with the identification of natural assets, such as a forest or a lake, which is then quantified using specific protocols. Such protocols have already been developed by related groups like the Capitals Coalition, which has partnered with several of IEG's partners as well as the World Economic Forum and various coalitions of multinational corporations. Then, an AAC is created and the structure of the company decides who has the rights to that natural assets uh, productivity as well as the right to decide how that natural asset is managed and governed. Lastly, an, AA, an, A, an NAC is converted into financial capital by launching an initial public offering, so an IPO on, that, on, the, on the actual natural asset, right? This is incredible. Uh, on a stock exchange like the New York Stock Exchange, this last stage generates capital to manage the natural asset. And the fluctuation of its price uh, on the stock exchange signals the value. Can you imagine when when they can you imagine when they start looking at well how do we how do we increase productivity of the natural asset right when the board meeting happens on this NAC the natural um, uh, or the NAG was it the gr the group the, the actual company right uh, that's formed around the the natural um, you know source. Can you imagine when they say, well, why is it only producing, uh, you know, whether let's say it's pollination or something, which, you know, then leads to honey or something or, or so, some other value that they've attributed to a, a functioning nature and say, well, why is it? Why don't we have more for as, a, as just a, one example? Right. Well, I think we can improve that. We have uh, we can genetically uh, update this. Uh, why don't we intervene? Why don't why don't we help nature along? We have this new nanotechnology now or we have a, a genetic uh, improvement. Well, what if we can we use these uh, CRISPR technology on these trees so they grow better and produce more, you know, pine cones? And then we'll make more, you know, or whatever, however silly this sounds now. But you, do you see what I'm saying? This is the way for for the economic system to take over the functions in nature and to then turn them into an economic engine to squeeze more money out of, right? So here's an image that they use here, too. Uh, from IEG, the source, right? Identifying a natural asset, the first step. Work with natural asset owners to identify sites with substantial ecosystem services or potential for ecosystem restoration. Two, create a natural asset company. We talked about that, rights to natural asset productivity. Owners could be citizens, government, investors, other stakeholders, board of directors, management slash employees, management and governance of natural asset companies. And then finally, number three, convert to financial capital. The capital market process, IPO of natural asset company, which leads to a financial capital uh, or a financial capital being created, right? That will generate capital to manage the natural asset, price signals, value of natural capital, generates funds for conservation and sustainable projects and practices. Sounds great, right? However, the NAC and its employees, directors and owners are not necessarily the owners of the natural assets itself following this final step. Instead, 
IEG notes, as IEG notes, the NAC is merely the issuer while the potential buyers of the natural asset, the NAC represents, uh, uh, asset the NAC represents can include uh, institutional investors, private investors, individuals and institutions, corporations, sovereign wealth funds, and multilateral development banks. Thus, asset management firms that essentially already own much of the world, like BlackRock, could thus become owners of soon-to-be monetized natural processes, natural resources, and the very foundations of natural life itself. Sounds great, doesn't it? Don't you trust? Hand over the literally hand or sell the earth to these people. Not even selling it. They just they just come in and like put a value on it by their protocol. And then let's run an IPO on that and raise funds. Both the New York Stock Exchange and IEG have marketed this new investment vehicle as being aimed at generating funds that will go back to conservation or sustainability efforts. However, on the IEG's website, it notes that the goal is really endless profit from natural processes and ecosystems that were previously deemed to be part of the commons, i.e. the cultural and natural resources accessible to all members of society, including natural materials such as air, water, and a habitable earth. Per the IEG, as the natural asset prospers, providing a steady or increasing flow of ecosystem services. Like, what do you... But what does that actually mean? You know what I mean? The company's equity should appreciate accordingly, providing investment returns. Shareholders and investors in the company, though, uh, th sorry, shareholders and investors in the company through secondary offers can take profit by selling shares. The, these sales can be uh, gauged to reflect the increase, uh, the increase in capital value of the stock, roughly in line with its profitability, creating cash flow based on the health of the company and, and its assets. Researcher and journalist Corey Morningstar has strongly disagreed with the approach by, taken by the NAC, uh, or the New York Stock Exchange and the uh, Interesting Exchange Group, and views NACs as a system that will only exacerbate the corporate predation of nature despite claims to the contrary. Morningstar has described NACs as Rockefeller et al. letting the markets dictate what in nature has value and what does not, yet it's not for capitalist institutions and global finance to decide what life has uh, value. Ecosystems are not assets. Biological communities exist for their own purposes, not ours. Uh, anyway, and I, th I think we've covered enough here, but you, you get the idea. They go, you know, they continue to go through here. A new way to loot, which is what I open with, that this is what they always do. They always need new victims and stuff and now they're turning to to nature and they've somehow someone has valued this nature's economy goods and service 125 trillion asset value 400 sorry 4000 trillion and that's according to then i guess the world bank asset value arcadis mckinney's and robert Cons robert costanza yeah but because robert costanza et al from 2014 who, who wouldn't you know who wouldn't trust that guy to value nature for at 4,000 4, trillion. How do we tap into that? Uh, it's, it's, it's incredible, right? The NACs open up a new feeding ground for predatory Wall Street banks and financial institutions that will allow them to not just dominate the human economy, but the entire natural world. In the world currently being constructed by these related entities, where even freedom is being reframed, not as a right, but as a service. The natural processes on which life depends are similarly being reframed as assets, which 
will uh, will have which will have owners. These owners will ultimately have the right in this system to dictate who gets access to clean water, to clean air, to nature itself, and at what cost. According to Corey Morningstar, one of the aims of creating nature's economy and neatly packaging it for Wall Street via NACs is to drastically advance massive land grab efforts made by Wall Street and the oligarch class in recent years. This includes the recent land, grab made, land grabs made by Wall Street firms, as well as billionaire philanthropist and vaccine killer enthusiast Bill Gates during the COVID crisis. Of course, he bought that up then, right? However, the land grabs facilitated through the development of NACs will largely target all indigenous communities. Sure. Yeah, white people won't suffer from it. Thank you, Sydney uh, Webb, for clarifying that. White people won't really suffer from this, Whitney Webb. That's one of the issues with this. It's always the it's always this largely targeted indigenous community. How how is this uh, all right, whatever. So then it's wor then it's worse. Uh, it's always that, right? It's fine. I mean, I'm not for that or anything. I'm not saying that, but it's always that. Like, well, it's it's happening to it's white people. It doesn't matter if it's happened to Europe. If Europeans lose their lands and they lose access to their nature, it's not it's it's not on the same level of suffering. It's indigenous communities because whites aren't indigenous to anywhere, right? All right, so you get that little bit of poison in there too. But there you go. Still net positive. Very good article. Very good uh, expose of these crazy these crazy. Uh, capitalists and these people at Wall Street, people like Larry Fink, people like Bill Gates, all these other ones at these companies. What was his name? Uh, Eager, Bob Eager. What was his name again? Uh, I forget what it was, but uh, something to look out for, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, something to be aware of because this is absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. Well, I thought we could cleanse the palate a little bit by uh, playing a clip. Uh, check this out here. We have, of course, been talking about over the last um, few weeks or so the uh, issue when it comes to school boards, uh, people speaking out against critical race theory or vaccine mandates or masking little children or shoving uh, sexually depraved and pedophilic content down their throats. And of course, consequently, parents have showed up and they're angry. They're angry with school boards, they're angry with PDA. Uh, you know, the, the, the heads of these PDA uh, groups and things like that. Um, and they're firing back and they're fighting back and they're, they're, they're going up there. They're, they're yelling at these people. Uh, the problem with that is now they've gotten, now the left has gotten wise to that. And now they're thinking, well, um, maybe we should just call them terrorists. And that's what they've begun to do. And there's been plenty of media coverage that, of that in the last uh, week or two. Uh, and here's a little bit of a uh, supercut on that issue. Check this out. Violent looking, angry, spewing parents outside of these schools. Individuals intent on creating chaos for the sake of creating chaos. These actions could be the equivalent to a form of domestic terrorism. This becomes a security <laughs> crisis in a sense for the nation. This may also mobilize even more law enforcement. To, to be at these meetings. It is dangerous to our children when the parents themselves are the school bullies. I think one of the worst things is the actions at the board meetings. Uh, you know, the, the, the calling of names, you know, the, you know, tyrant, Marxist, communist. We've never seen anything like we're seeing at these school boards now. What on earth has happened in this country? Sometimes they're not even talking. They are yelling 
and creating chaos. Things have become so scary at these meetings. I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. New laws may be necessary. There's always the possibility uh, that people will face criminal prosecution for this kind of conduct. The FBI and federal law enforcement is tailor-made for that kind of national-level coordination with state and local police. The attorney general has can put out a letter, they will take actions they take. What does it mean that something that is generally boring and neutral, like a school board meeting, has become a locus for violence? You look at the rage, the anger, you think, what is this doing to the children in those homes and their mental health? We have a board of ed working with the local school boards to determine the curriculum for our schools. You don't want parents coming in in every different school jurisdiction. And they want to shut down our schools and, you know, move kids over to charter schools and private schools. Oh, no. Um, without the oversight of the state. And that's wrong. <laughs> Holy shit. Isn't that incredible? Uh, good little uh, clip there. Let me go back out. There we go. You can see me. Hello. Welcome. Uh, which reminds me of this clip, too. I think we played... I think we played this in one of the Weekend Warrior shows, but I wanted to show you this anyway, just in case you didn't see it. Oh, no. Where, where'd it go? There it is. Here it is. Here it is. Check out this, uh, ladies and gentlemen. This is, you know, you think you have freedom of, of, of how you want to educate your kids and stuff like that in the U.S.? I mean, Sweden, homeschooling ban. Germany, homeschooling bans. A lot of countries work on this, right? Here's Elizabeth Bar- Bartholet. Bartholet from Harvard University. Listen to this. I believe we need to guarantee that all students, even if we're allowing the parents to homeschool, attend some courses at school. I think children need access to and exposure to the larger society outside of their family and their parents' particular culture, by which is meant the right of children to exit their parents' chosen culture and lifestyle if the adult children so choose. I think we need to screen all prospective homeschooling parents, and I think we need to ensure that all homeschool children are viewed on a regular basis, not just a once a year basis, by mandated reporters. Today's homeschooling regime, while there are some laws on the books, basically provides no effective regulation whatsoever. There we go. Uh, it pretty incredible. That's what they want to do right there. Uh, they're they're showing up and screaming at it. They're saying mean words to us because we're trying to push dildos down their kids' throats. Can you believe that? Um, Jack Passmore on Odyssey said, uh, "I'm indigenous to Texas." Uh, I think it was hey hey ho. I almost missed uh, missed that one. Thank you, uh, Jack Passmore. Appreciate that. Did I miss another one? Oh crap! Can I go over to this one? Let me see here. I don't want to miss those on Odyssey right there. Uh, let me check interview real quick. Uh, uh, Aaron Jimsis says, "So, is it uh, too late to put the World Economic Forum and uh, put them to put the World Economic Forum and put them on the Titanic?" Uh, at Goyum with a U-M. I like, that's a good spelling there. Uh, can dream. Yeah, we'll see if they may. We'll see if they make this. This this is a uh, this is the challenge, of course. Uh, that is definitely the challenge, right? Um, I have it. Well, we have a take on that later. We'll see. But yeah, some people are speculating if they, you know, they there's like an economic collapse coming in at the end of this, and even their fourth industrial revolution and the, you know, the CBCBC CBDCs, the central banking digital currencies that they want to offer up as a solution to to that, and you know, write off all the debt and all the reformulate everything. And who knows? Maybe they'll be nature based at the end. It'll be na- driven by natural assets or something like that, right? 
Um, that's the question, right? Orange Jim says, uh, no, uh, Moog says here, Henrik, will we see Bill Gates in an orange jumpsuit and in prison in our lifetime? I, 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 I wish. <laughs> it's at the, the base minimum that needs to happen. Uh, but I can't answer that. That's up to uh, the, ultimately. It's up to uh, it's up to us. It's up to people who are fighting back to ensure that these criminals are held are held accountable uh, for what they're what they're doing and how they're so selling this and how much money they're making on the suffering and the misery. Not only with the vaccination thing, but all the things they've done consequently. Uh, Arn Jimson says again here. Uh, I thought it was impossible to patent a natural occurring thing. That's why coronavirus was, was patented by Fauci and Barrick. Yeah, so I have showing this here. I'll get to this next. It's a good uh, good point. Arn Jim says, and 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 it has to do with the. This is why I talked about how they will they will if they can turn it into an asset class, they can put a a demand to improve that natural asset class in some capacity or the natural function. They can say life on Earth isn't efficient enough or we can improve it, let's say, or by using things like sustainability or productivity or we can, you know, we need to come in and fix this. There will be arguments, I believe, of changing the very fundamental building blocks of the life that's the driver of those assets, uh, be that plants, animals, maybe more. I'm not sure how they would do it with inanimate ob objects, but maybe there's something they can do there too. Who knows, right? Uh, but it has to do with the uh, the patent system. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, wandering, uh, actually, 14 reasons on Odyssey says 14 reasons to live for, 14 reasons to die for. Uh, thank you. Wandering the, the Ruins says we should have listened to Father Cowlin. I think that rings a slight bell, uh, but not uh, all the way. Revolt against modern world says they want your kids. A white man just getting more and more brazen about it. Mask mask off. Thank you. Um, Archie says sending children to public school is child abuse. Yeah, and they want to make sure you can never have any other option. By the way, we don't in Sweden. They don't in Germany. Uh, Odin Land says indoctrination of our children needs to stop. We need to be a catalyst for change. Yeah, I mean, it begins with, I think, primarily pulling out the kids and then maybe try to... I think ultimately leaving would be the best thing, and that's why they're trying to want to prevent that too now. As I said in the clip, that was a problem, right? Black Phillips says, Henrik, this economic revisionism is just like historic revisionism. You, ca uh, you can just make shit up as you go and hope normies don't, don't notice and pass it off as gospel because economic economics is confusing. This is more clown world than anything socially, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 everything is being revised. This is the the great reset. Um, this is the great uh, the the great calling, the great reset, the great uh, shift over, swap out, <laughs> the great the great replacement. Right? It's all it's all it's all related. Um, yeah. So here, so the document here I'm showing is regarding it's a decision from the Supreme Court back in October 2012. Well, the basic, I'm not going to read this too much. We don't have time because I have, we have other things to get to. But basically, to boil it down, uh, Association for Molecular Pathology et al. And versus Myriad Genetics Incorporated. They found a gene and they basically tried to patent this. And this document goes through and argues uh, in the syllabus here basically how if you change it, right, if you change the DNA, the, the genetic makeup of something, you can patent it. Right. 
Each human gene is encoded as DNA, which takes the shape of the double helix, blah, blah, blah. Sequences of DNA. Nucleotides contain the information necessary to create a string of amino acids used to build the proteins in the body. Um, scientists can extract DNA from cells to isolate specific segments for study. They can also synthesize creating exons only strands of nucleotides, blah, blah, blah. But basically what they're saying is you can't patent just life, you know, up as it is to a strand on its own. But if you change it, if you add or remove things or do certain things to it, you can patent it. You can patent life. Right? A, yeah, here it is, right? A naturally occurring DNA segment is a product of nature and not patent eligible merely because it has been isolated. But cDNA is patent eligible because it is not naturally occurring. So that's basically what it is. The Patent Act, per, uh, Act permits patents to be issued to whomever invents or discovers any new and useful compositions of matter. Right? And that goes back to the nature. Why do you want to take over nature as an asset class? And then you can argue, well, we need to improve it. When we change it, we, we need to make it more sustainable or whatever excuse they'll use. And then they can change the composition of that matter and they can they can patent it and say, well, we own this now. It's 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 own it's ownage. It's about ownership, and that's what this Supreme Court document underlines. Now, regarding patents and stuff, I'm gonna go into the COVID swamp here now. And I wanna talk, I wanna show. Uh, a clip by or with Dr. David Martin and it's related to an, an interview that Mac Joseph McCullough did with him really good one I recommended checking out the whole thing but he outlines in this uh, interview basically that patents prove that the that SARS-CoV-2 is a manufactured virus right he found traces all the way back to the 1980s when Pfizer first issued a patent for the first S spike protein uh, vaccine against the coronavirus. And this is just all the way up 2013, you know, 2000s, you know, all, all, all the way up, he's found evidence that's like in the patent office, th th there's been rumors of this all along, right? These are, these are patented, in some cases, bioweapons. Uh, David E. Martin uh, a is a doctor, right? And so this is kind of an article version of that. We, we don't have time to go through all of this now, but they had a very interesting discussion, and I recommend that you listen to it. Uh, Dr. David Martin, interviewed by Joseph Mercola, patents prove COVID fraud and illegal uh, dealings, right? Uh, but there's a clip here at the, at the end, right? They've talked about the vaccine and the patents and all that stuff, and the vaccine is like the, the bio weapon and the killer and all that kind of stuff. And um, they even talk about the World Economic Forum, the reset and the, the economic situation that we're facing and all that kind of stuff, right? But he, he did mention something interesting, and I hope I'm at the right, exactly at the right time code. I want to be here. But having to do with altering the human being as a consequence of the misstep of the vaccination, right? So some people have theorized, well, you get genetically altered with the vaccine, and there's people that say, oh, actually, no, that's not happening. Yes, you become a factory of the spiked, you know, the the sorry, the uh, the the spike protein. Well, there is an S spike, but anyway. Um, but apparently, that doesn't like genetically alter you. It 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 causes your body to begin producing something. It it uses the building blocks of you to create other things, essentially, right? Maybe at the end of the day, it does change something. I'm not going to argue that or not. But the fix for this misstep and problem potentially coming down the pipeline, he goes into, with technologies such as CRISPR, would effectively make you a genetically modified human being. To fix an error, even if they admit it or not, or something like that, it's just an interesting line of thinking and reasoning to this of why we're seeing so much of this with the genetic editing and stuff like that. 
So listen to this little segment here. I would agree, but I'm wondering, there are many people who've studied this very carefully and contend that one of the ulterior motivations for implementation of this pandemic is a depopulation strategy. We, we, oh, there's no question that's the case. So, so along those lines, and, yeah. and I really want to hear your thoughts on the likelihood of anyone who receives the COVID jab dying prematurely quickly within the next few years. I mean, theoretically, there's a potential that the majority of people who got the shot are going to be dead in a few years. So I wondered your thoughts on that. And I'm wondering if, in fact, it, it, is, it, it is a very highly effective depopulation strategy and resulting in loss of perhaps half the population or more, if that impacts what you just said. So you're, you're on to a very good point. And so let's unpack the, the legs of the stool here. Yeah. First of all, if you've made financial promises to senior citizens or people who are going to be senior citizens, the fewer promises you have to keep, the better. Mm -hmm. So the financial in interest for depopulation is a compelling and a very thoroughly compelling argument. I spent an entire hour on this at my lecture that I gave at the Church of Glad Tidings in Yuba City. If people want to go online, they can see that. Now, the, let me just interrupt there a moment. They do make an interesting case here for the fact that the, one of the reasons uh, I, I spoke to uh, Andreas Johansson from the Nordic Frontier actually yesterday. Uh, great interview. He was a great interviewer He's from the Nordic Resistance Movement. I, I encourage you to check that out um, at their Odyssey channel, the Nordic uh, Frontier. Check that out. I was on there yesterday, but we were talking about this. And as I was speaking about you know what I thought that they're doing here, and I said, the only thing I can't figure out is we have all these patents that showing that they were doing chimeric viruses. They were you know, experimenting with this for years and years and years and penetrating the bat caves and doing all these crazy stuff to, to you know, to bring these viruses out. And I was like, why didn't they do it more deadly, right? Why, why didn't they, why, if they want to kill everybody off, why didn't they do it more deadly? And then you realize that, well, it has to, it has to spread for you to be able to create a pandemic or, or a pandemic or a case-demic in this case. If it was too deadly, people would die too soon and it wouldn't spread. Even, and that's irrespective of the faulty PCR tests and stuff. But it was so they wanted it was so they needed it to be so fail safe that they couldn't have a single point of failure. They needed multiple points of failure uh, or, or it could, it, rather, let me turn it around. They needed to ensure that if, if one of the issues went wrong, in other words, if it didn't spread, they could fall back on the PCR test and still do so many you know, false positives that you could still generate the, the idea that it's spreading everywhere and it's, everybody's infected and stuff like that, right? But, but the thing to it, though, is that it does seem to take out over 65s for, for the most part, right? There was older elderly people, people with underlying conditions and stuff like that. And that could be part of the issue with, that has to do with the failing uh, social security system, right? That's slated to just go, what, what's the right term? Bankrupt? default what's the right term here again but like you know some of the math that they brought up in this show was like by 2027 2028 officially they talk about 2034 or something like that but probably sooner some of the math revised math has been done on that they're not going to be able to pay any of this money out there's going to be no social security for the, these elderly elderly people so there's a financial incentive by the, the whole apparatus here to basically take out people that are a drain on on, on society so old, you know, old, older boomers and stuff like that, right? Too, uh, which is which is an interesting take. Uh, but then you have the secondary layer to that, when the the real objective, of course, is is then the the fix, the cure against the pandemic, which is the vaccine, which then becomes the driver of the pandemic, which then you know becomes the spreading of the virus and such and so forth. 
But eventually, which is what they were going to hear, is that if if a error ever is recognized or they say, yeah, we did this wrong, or yes, people are suffering, yes, people are dying or something, well, we can fix it. We can fix this. Don't worry. We'll go in with CRISPR and we'll cut this portion out. Listen to listen to this here. But in we'll that put, we'll lecture, put a link to I, that. we'll put a link to it. I'm sorry. We'll put a link to it. In, in yeah. The, um, in that show, I actually went through the 1914 forward life insurance cabal that is actually running an enormous amount of what's happening right now. I've gone into that in nauseating detail. And it turns out that there is an economic incentive to get a lot of people dead before 2028. Mm hmm. That's an economic incentive. It's also a political incentive. If you have people over the age of 65 who have taken this shot, who are already health compromised in one way or another, the likelihood that we've accelerated their loss of life is exceptionally high. If we look at the previous lipid nanoparticle and mRNA trials that were done in animal studies, we actually are not going to be surprised to see a mass casualty event. So there is no question that what's being done jumped over animal trials for a very important reason. We've been told it was to save time, but it wasn't to save time. It was actually to put this particular pathogen into humanity so that a lot of people suffer and ultimately die of effects that we could have picked up if we had done it the traditional way, which is seven to eight years of safety studies before we decide to put it in the arms of humans. That's not what we did. And if we look at the safety data out of animal studies on mRNA and on the lipid nanoparticle from Acuitus and Arbutus, there is no question, Joe, that there is going to be a fatality increase because of this. Now, what percentage of the population is going to be a function of something that we do not discuss? Because as you are very aware, but your viewers probably not as much, there is a technology called CRISPR, which is the camel's nose that's been under this tent. And the CRISPR technology, which I've spent a lot of time looking at, we just did a couple of shows with the several thousand CRISPR patents, include a number of patents on clipping the effects of vaccines from people. So there is a high probability that we're building a pathogen set that then goes into people so that we can introduce a more expensive technology, which allows us to then go fix the thing that we harm, which means that there's probably going to be an economic class distinction about whether you live or whether you die. Now, I am not going to opine on the quality of life, because mm -hmm. if you are constantly dependent on CRISPR this and then vaccine that and then CRISPR this and then vaccine that, that's not much of a life. But the fact of the matter is, I think we already see that the CRISPR approvals that have happened in the last even few weeks are pointing out the direction that we're planning on going here what anyway so that's <clears throat> interesting little tidbit there for you that's something to consider uh and when we're talking about our collective gmo future essentially right that that's what they're seeking to do edit you and then you essentially in a you know in a boiled down way essentially you would become uh, a patented uh human being uh, because you had your genes altered, and that's what the Supreme Court stated, that if you alter, the, alter it, you can't patent it, just like they do with GMOs and stuff like that, right? We talk about the bond thing, but we'll skip that, because I don't want to go over it too long, so let's uh, do this here. Um, speaking of the vaccine, of course, the problem, the depopulation tool, instrument, Pfizer asked FDA to authorize its COVID-19 vaccine for children 5 to 11. The agency has promised to move quickly on the request and has tentatively scheduled a meeting at the end of the month to consider it. Insane. Absolutely insane.
Um, let's look at a couple of clips. Uh, turns out the uh, the approved FDA vaccine, Comirnaty, is, uh, as we've said many times before, uh, not available. Look at this. So I called Pfizer. We are not aware of additional information on the timing of availability of Comirnaty-labeled vaccine at this time. Oh, okay. Okay, because I might, I might not understand then. She didn't know, you know, I'm a nurse. But I'm thinking in my head, well, how is this fully FDA approved when it's not even manufactured? So it's approved, but it's just not available. So you can't get FDA approved shots right now is the bottom line. So there you go. Big surprise, huh? Were you surprised by that? Uh, you can't get them. They're not available. So they called, uh, they called the uh, uh, Pfizer to ask about that. And we've talked about that, of course, too, that this is a legal, you know, it's a legally distinct entity. Now, apparently there are some uh, differences even on the uh, actual material makeup of the thing as well. Uh, here's a short one, too. Good one, little clip to um, talk about the idea, too, that when you read studies, you can't just believe what you're reading. Most of you will be aware of this, but it's a, a, a clip by a guy who actually spent time studying this. Listen to uh, this here. I have worked for many, many years to find out to what extent we can believe in drug trials. And it's actually quite depressing. We cannot believe what get published in our most prestigious journals because it is usually done by the drug industry. You have an expression in America, torture your data until they confess. And this happens all the time. The drug industry has an enormous conflict of interest. The difference between an honest data analysis and one you have manipulated can be worth billions on the world market. So what do you think they'll do? <clears throat> oh, they'll be totally honest. Uh, they'll tell us 100% truth because there's no financial incentive uh, whatsoever, and of course, it's not a it's not a control incentive here too. So here's this uh, clip here uh, that uh, Lichen sent me. Catholic nun says COVID nineteen vaccines are a globalist plot for depopulation or population control. Uh, Pope Francis is their spiritual leader. I haven't seen this. Let's see how long it is. What I think is going on is is my summary, but it's not my invention. This is the news. Is that the the group of globalists? Um, everyone involved in this new reset, global economy, one world order, all of that, anywhere, and, and enforcing the jab, the, the COVID uh, vaccine, which is a pathological weapon to destroy our body. That's what it is. Um, and if you haven't felt it, if you've been, if you've taken the COVID vaccine, you haven't, you feel f- just fine. That is working in your body to destroy it. Um, there's an article today on LifeSite News um, by, I think it's a Dr. McCullough, I, I don't I have to look it up, um, who explains exactly what happens with those vaccines. And what I've gathered from all the reports is that the um, Soros, George Soros is of the world, the Bill Gates, um, everybody involved in this reset, so to speak, um, and the Holy Father is their spiritual leader. Uh, I don't hesitate to say it because I'm not revealing anything that hasn't been all over the news and the Vatican and every place else. Um, 
is that they want to control the world population, completely have us under their control. The world population is too big. And so this COVID vaccine has been invented to eliminate us, to kill off a great percentage of the population so that what's left, they have uh, a reason. I want to hear the rest of that. Okay, interesting. Thank you, Lycan, for sending that. Uh, okay, good stuff. That's one of twos. Maybe we'll... Oh, here's the... Here's two of two. Let's see. Great percentage of the population so that what's left, they have uh, a reasonable hope. I hate to use those words of Bishop uh, Barron, a reasonable hope of killing and controlling the rest of us. So... Um, it's a, it's a, um, I don't think such a horror book has ever been written, horror novel has ever been written, but it's true. And I believe it 100%. And I think our time is limited, very limited now, um, for this reign of evil, of persecution, of death to truly take hold of us. Because as we've heard uh, from many, the forces of evil, uh, as announced by President Biden concerning his own thoughts, uh, are growing impatient. We're too slow in obeying. We're too slow to uh, uh, buy into their false statements. We're too slow to obey their dictates. Um, we're just too slow. And we're holding back the reign of evil. So what's wrong with us? We need to be put away. We need to be silenced. And so I say to you, beloved, that evil is coming upon us, is upon us, but I think uh, we don't have much time. I, I don't even think it's a few months from now that we're going to um, uh, experience what we've never imagined. So now is the time. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Uh, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. All right, interesting. Yeah, I mean, she could be right uh, about that. Uh, we'll look into that, see who, who that is. Uh, yeah, someone sent this in chat to <clears throat> Pelosi. Was it uh, Jack Robert? Pelosi says uh, what she would I Let's just listen. Again, in fact, when people ask me, if you rule the world, what one thing would you do? I think about that a lot. Uh, I'm sure you uh, do. <laughs> Again. And it, I mean, she doesn't. She's just a front woman. She's a, one of the clowns, you know. But, uh, you know, it's red meat, right? It's, uh, it's, uh, that's, I'm sure they do think about it, though. Don't get me wrong about that. It was this during a re her remarks at the NATO Parliamentary Assembly in Lisbon, Portugal today. Interesting. Horace Cock Johnson says, remember when Florida was constantly made fun of? Times they are a-changing. Yeah, Florida looks pretty, uh, not on every issue, don't get me wrong, but on many things, much better. Uh, certainly much better than many of the other states. Uh, Dan Mother says, uh, as a quote here, let me see here. She says, yeah, that, that, a quote from uh, the New York Times versus Sullivan in 1964. Let me see, did I read this before? Uh, profound national commitment. Uh, let me see, where are we here? There we go. Profound national commitment to the principle that debate on public issues should be uninhibited, robust, and wide open, and that it may well induce vehement, caustic, and sometimes unpleasant, sharp attacks on government and public officials. Uh, yeah, was that like a 
New York Times versus Sullivan was that some like free speech case or something like that that are like how do we how do we the the justification that we have to allow it right and and, and as people have said like you know even the issue of hate speech and stuff and thank you Dan Mother for that um, the issue of hate speech and like the reason the First Amendment existed of course to protect the very speech that you don't like popular speech doesn't need protection right uh, or or speech that doesn't ruffle any feathers right. Um, Interesting. Uh, let me see here. Black Phillips says, Henrik, I think a lot of the spite from the left about vaccines is they secretly have no doubts uh, now, but they can't reverse their horrible decision. So they've become rabid about their defense of the vaccine. I still think there's a lot of true believers uh, out there and they want to vaccinate every single uh, human on the planet, all the kids, all the babies out there too, you know. Um, but some of them, I think, have uh, buyer's remorse. I, I do think you're right about that. Uh, Arn Jimson says, this nun is based as fuck. There you go. Ryan Will, uh, Wilhelmi, I think it is, uh, says, I have been freeloading too long. Here's a small donation. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, we do appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, Odenland says, uh, that guy is my mother's cousin's brother-in-law, Peter Gutsch. Gutsch. I don't recognize that. Is, is that just made up or is that actually a, is that actually a, a guy? Is that Peter Gutsch? Danish physician, medical researcher, former leader of the Nordic Cochrane Center at Rigshospitalet in Copenhagen. So is that actually true? Which guy was that then? If, if you're, I was thinking you're just joking or making it up. Uh, that guy is my mother's cousin's brother-in-law. Which guy? <laughs> Sorry, I missed the, missed which guy that was. I have to go back in the order. Anyway, thank you. I appreciate that, but I, I didn't know which one you mean. Uh, let's see here. Okay, so let's do a couple of these, and then we're going to wrap up here soon. Uh, Canada. Talk about the COVID camps. I think it's one of the last things we'll do here. I don't think we had more uh, clips here. COVID enforcement team and secure location for COVID isolation. Let's go up in the size a little bit. The Saskatchewan Health Authority now says it's putting together a COVID enforcement team. The group will be made up of mostly retired police officers who have special constable status. The information was conveyed in most recent physics town hall meeting. Medical health officer Dr. Jean-Marc Opondo, or Jean-Marc Opondo, Opondo, says the purpose of the CET, the COVID enforcement team, is to enforce public health measures. In particular, proof of vaccination, non-compliance at businesses that are not typically regulated by public health inspectors. They will also be charged with enforcing masking public health measures. In addition to a COVID enforcement team and a online form or phone number to report on fellow citizens, the government is also setting up a secure isolation site for those deemed needing to be isolated by medical health officer. Public health inspectors and police, once the medical health officer has signed a form for secure isolation, will be involved in assisting and transporting and moving people into the secure isolation site. This site, expected to be ready in the next three weeks, is going to be located at the Saskatchewan Hospital in North Battleford. They refer to those sent to the secure isolation sites as clients, not detainees. However, they will be there under a detention order. The town hall heard the CET, will likely the COVID enforcement team, will likely be out in the field in one to two weeks. So this is from... Uh, 
uh, I guess a Canadian source here, C, is this again, C20 or something? Studio 620, I think it is, is a radio station, I guess, from their newsroom there. All right, uh, good stuff. Not a problem. Um... Here's another source. I'm going to read a little bit from this one. I don't think we have time to read the whole thing. But uh, COVID-19 detention camps are government roundups or resistors of resistors in our future. Authored by uh, John Whitehead. I had him on the show many, uh, many, uh, many years ago from the Rutherford Institute. Uh, it's no longer a question of whether the government will lock up Americans for defying its mandates. But when? This is what we know. The government has means, the muscle, and motivation to detain individuals who resist its orders and do not comply with mandates in a vast area of prisons, detention centers, and FEMA concentration camps paid for with taxpayer dollars. It's just a matter of time. It no longer matters what the hot-button issue might be. Vaccine ma mandates, immigration, gun rights, abortion, same-sex marriages, health care, criticizing the government, protesting election results, or you can add on to it now, going to school board meetings and disagreeing with those who are trying to fuck up your kids. Or which party's wielding its power like a hammer. The groundwork has already been laid. Under the indefinite detention provision of the National Defense Authorization Act, the NDAA, the president and the military can detain and imprison American citizens with no access to friends, family, or the courts if the government believes them to be a terrorist. So it should come as no surprise that merely criticizing the government or objecting to a COVID-19 vaccine could get you labeled as a terrorist. After all, it doesn't take much to be considered a terrorist anymore, especially given that the government likes to use the words anti-government or extremist and terrorist interchangeably. For instance, the Department of Homeland Security broadly defines extremist as individuals, military veterans, and groups, quote, that are mainly anti-government, rejecting federal authority in favor of state or local authority, or rejecting government authority entirely. Military veterans returning from Iraq and Afghanistan may also be characterized as extremists and potential domestic terrorist, uh, terrorist threats by the government because they may be disgruntled, disillusioned, and or suffering from the psychological effects of war. Indeed, if you believe in and exercise your rights under the Constitution, namely your right to speak freely, worship freely, associate with like-minded individuals who share your political views, criticize the government, own a weapon, demand a warrant before being questioned or searched, or any other activity viewed as potentially anti-government, racist, bigoted, an ar archaic, uh, sorry, anarchic or sovereign, you could be at the top of the government's terrorist watch list. I'm glad... Uh, uh, White John Whitehead has tied this into it too with the the bullshit about the racist and bigots and white supremacist uh, uh, narrative into this because when I can't how can't you these days right but some of these uh, uh, kind of First Amendment and free speech guys and libertarians they quite some of them still haven't gotten that but but he has that's good moreover as New York Times editorial warns you may be an anti-government extremist aka domestic terrorist in the eyes of the police if you're afraid that the government is plotting to confiscate your firearms if you believe the economy is about to collapse and the government will soon declare martial law or if you displace an display an unusual number of political and or ideological bumper stickers on your car and he links to these as actual you know as actual like cases right actual events According to the FBI, you might also be classified as a domestic terrorist threat 
if you espouse conspiracy theories or dare to subscribe to any views that are contrary to the government's. The government also has a growing list shared with fusion centers and law enforcement agencies of ideologies, behaviors, affiliations, and other characteristics that could flag someone as suspicious and result in their being labeled a potential enemy of the state. This is what happens when you not only put the power to determine who is a political, uh, who, who is a p- potential danger in the hands of government agencies, the courts and the police, but also gives those agencies liberal authority to lock individuals up for perceived wrongs. It's a system just begging to be abused by power-hungry bureaucrats desperate to retain their power at all costs. It's happened before. As history shows, the U.S. government is not adverse to locking up its own citizens for its own purpose, right? And they go up a couple of examples here. Uh, let's skip that. We know that, you know, some of the things that they've uh, mentioned about that. Uh, Okay, let me continue here. Sorry. FEMA's role in creating top-secret American internment camps is well-documented, but be careful who you share this information with. It turns out that voicing concerns about the existence of FEMA detention camps is among the growing list of opinions and activities which may make a federal agent or government official think that you're an extremist, a.k.a. a terrorist. So ironically, since the FEMA detention camps doesn't exist... We have to ensure that the people who spread information about the FEMA detention uh, camps are locked up in FEMA detention camps because they're conspiracy theorists. That kind of makes sense, right? Or they continue here. uh, If you're sympathetic to terrorist activities and thus qualify you for indefinite detention under the NDAA, also also included in the list of dangerous viewpoints are advocating states' rights, believing the states to be unnecessary or undesirable. Conspiracy theorizing, concern about alleged FEMA camps, opposition to war, organizing for economic justice, frustration with mainstream ideologies, opposition to abortion, opposition to globalization, and ammunition stockpiling. Now, if you are going to have internment camps on American soil, someone has to build them. Thus, in 2006, it was announced that Kellogg Brown and Root, a subsidiary of Halliburton, remember that company? Iraq, the nepotism there, had been awarded a $385 million contract to build American detention facilities. Although the government and Halliburton were not forthcoming about where or when these domestic detention centers would be built, they rationalized the need for them in case of an emergency influx of immigrants. Or, the, yeah, like that would, <laughs> yeah, they would put them in camps. They're shipping them into like uh, the interior of, of, of the states now. And they're putting uh, wrong white American wrong thinkers in these in these camps. That's the plan, anyway. Uh, or to support the rapid development of new programs in the event of other emergencies such as natural disasters. Of course, these detention camps will have to be used for anyone viewed as a threat to the government, and that includes political dissidents. So it's not coincidental that the U.S. government has, since the 1980s, acquired and maintained without warrant or court order quarter, a database names and information on Americans considered to be threats to the nation. As Salon reports, this database, reportedly dubbed Main Core, is to be used by the Army and FEMA in times of national emergency or under martial law to locate and round up Americans seen as a threat to national security. There are at least 8 million Americans in the Main Core database. That's quite a bit. Surprised it wasn't 6 million. 
Fast forward to 2009 when the Department of Homeland Security, DHS, released two reports, one on right-wing extremism, which broadly defines right-wing extremists as individuals and groups that are mainly anti-government, rejecting federal authority in favor of state or local authority, or rejecting government authority entirely, and one on left-wing extremism, which labeled environmental and animal rights activist groups as extremists. Yeah, not Antifa, not BLM, not the actual people like bombing, you know, <laughs> you know, government buildings and stuff. Ah, that's fine. It's just uh, too in too extreme on the environmental end or, or animal rights. That's that's the only uh, category under left-wing extremism. Incredibly, both reports use the words terrorist and extremist interchangeably. That same year, the DHS launched Operation Vigilant Eagle, which calls for surveillance of military veterans returning from Iraq, Afghanistan, or other far-flung places, characterizing them as extremist and potential domestic terrorist threats because they may be disgruntled, disillusioned, or suffering from psychological effects of war. These reports indicate that for the government, so-called extremism is not a partisan issue matter. Anyone seen as opposing the government, whether the left, right, or somewhere in between, is a target, which brings us back full circle to the question of whether the government will exercise the power it claims to possess to detain anyone perceived as a threat, i.e. anyone critical of the government. The short answer is yes. And the long answer is more complicated, is that it's more complicated, right? Uh, let me see if they go into the COVID. Is there more on COVID at the end here? I don't think to do. But anyway, that's what we're looking at. We talked about the green zones. It's funny to talk about soil and green at the end. I won't read the rest there. But uh, the green zones, right, that the, the CDC has declared. Uh, it's funny because people thought this would happen in 2020, and it kind of didn't in a way. There's some other stuff that's happened, of course, right? But um, a lot of it happened, uh, I think, is going to happen in 2021. I, I hope I'm wrong on that, right? Um I guess we can end with this one. Insane video. 16-year-old girl arrested at school for refusing to wear a mask. <laughs> this is like, this is where it's going. Uh, if you're not obeying, we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll arrest you. We'll drag you away. There was something with, uh, and I didn't find the story on it. Maybe Friday we'll talk about that. But they had put um, um, plastic bags over, uh, over like uh, COVID patients or something in a hospital. I just saw it in passing, and I didn't grab the link, and I forgot to to pull it in. But there's like crazy stuff like that's happening. Uh, let's check out this uh, video here. Uh, meet Grace. She's a 16 year old girl who's showing more courage than most men right now. She's refusing to comply with mask mandates, and her Wyoming school board is trying to force them on her. She was fined and arrested. This is the footage of her arrest. Can you please let me into class? What's that? Can you please let me into class? I can't unless you're gonna wear a mask, kiddo. So you're taking away my right to go to school? Well, I need I need you to wear a mask because that's what we got to do right now. Okay. Well, I guess I'll just sit here. Once again, we are in a lockdown. Please stay in your rooms until further notice. Thank you. Okay, so on this, and I just, the part of the protocol is to ask for a student's signature. And, you know, it's obviously up to you, but all it says is I uh, hereby acknowledge that I participated in a pre-suspension conference. That was just me going over this mm -hmm. with you, um, with the administrator. That's me. Brady signed it, but um, and I'm aware of the reason for my suspension. I understand and agree that I am not to be on or near any ACSD1 school grounds nor participate in school activities during the suspension. You've been suspended. They've asked you to leave. Sounds like you're refusing to. Alright, so as law enforcement, I am now respectfully requesting that you leave the premises because you've been suspended. 
Are you willing to do that? No. Okay, so I'm gonna formally warn you of trespass. And if you wanna stay, you're gonna receive another citation for trespass. Okay. So you've been formally warned of trespass. Do you wanna leave the facility now? No. No? You wanna stay? All yeah. the doors are locked, man. So you wanna stay? How long are you planning on staying for? I don't know. Okay. I'm gonna go write the citation for you. I'm gonna let you know what's going on at this point. Okay. This entire building now is in lockdown. So you have now restricted the movement of over a thousand students. You are not allowed to leave your classrooms because you're trying to get back into the classroom. Oh my God. Which you are not allowed to do because you've been suspended. Okay? Uh -huh. We will wait you out for some time. I am going to warn you now. If this continues for a length of time to where I feel that we have now hampered the ability for every student in here to get an education, I will be placing you into handcuffs and I'll be taking you down to the jail. Okay. And I will remove you from the building. Okay. 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 This court day is November 16th at 9 o'clock right. in Circuit Court. All right. Any questions on that? Nope. All right. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, officer. That's great. They gave me a, another $500 citation. I'm still refusing to leave. They said they'll arrest me if I continue to refuse. All right. So you're still refusing to leave? Yes, sir. Even after you're receiving your citation? Yes, Good sir. girl. All right. Fantastic. Wonderful. This is this is amazing stuff. Good girl. And at this point, I am going to place you into custody for trespassing. Okay. Uh, go down to the jail. How's that something? All right. All right. How are you? Do you have any guns, knives, or bazookas on you? The <laughs> bazookas? Is that an? <laughs> Do they actually have to legally ask that? Do <laughs> you have any guns, knives, or bazookas on you that we need to know about? Oh no, wait! Isn't that a? It's a different. Isn't is chat? Do you guys know? Is that a different thing? Bazooka is a different thing, right? That's actually. I mean, that type of bazooka. Or am I? Am I wrong? <laughs> anyway, not the point. Uh, whatever. Thirteen, Lord, one in custody. Um, I can. Can I just leave this stuff here? Yeah, we'll take it. Okay. Let's go around and have to tell. Yeah. All right. What do we got? Just a little tickets. Thank you. Yeah. Is the, is the cop trying to be funny? Is that what you think, Chad? Is that what that is about? Too ought to be ashamed. All for a face mask. It's despicable. this point in time because of the continued um, refusal to wear face covering in school at this point in time I'm issuing two days out of school suspension for willful continued willful disobedience okay you understand that your request is an unlawful request that supersedes her constitutional rights are you aware of that uh, I've been directed from my supervisor um, I'm just following orders because I'm a because I'm a bitch from our legal counsel I've been given that direction legal counsel that has nothing to do with it where is the law 
It's the same thing. Did you guys see? You you saw that story, right? You have to get into RedEyesMembers.com and check out the story we did right at the end of the latest Weekend Warrior show. There is no vaccine mandate law, by the way. There's there's no law in the books. At least not yet. Maybe there will be. Whatever. There's there's nothing. There's nothing there. This was a press release and a media event, and everyone's acting like this is legal. <laughs> that, that's basically it. All you have to know. This is, that's how insane it is. Same thing here. Where's the actual? Oh, it's a legal. It's a our legal team has re- re- said this to me, and I require we we just require this. Where's the law? Where's the legal? Where's the where's a framework that the, this has to be followed, and this is a law, and if you break that law, you'll be arrested, and you have to pay fines. So, what gives you the right to supersede her constitutional rights? Andy, that's <clears throat> when you're, you're sitting here making that argument. That argument's not going to be made here. Um, if you have a legal argument, then you know, please. Well, this is if you have a if you have a legal issue that what she's doing illegally. Don't you have to present that legal, that law, that those those laws that bind her to that, or that she's forced to do that? Oh, it's not the point. No, now is not the time. It's a legal argument. Well, well, I have the authority by by statute authority. suspension to be able to suspend her for willful defamation. Not for not wearing a, a an item of clothing on her face that has nothing to do with nothing with anything. Masks don't protect you from COVID nineteen. It's even on the boxes themselves. It doesn't. It doesn't protect you. It doesn't help. It makes matters worse. In fact, right? Disobedience, and it is in this information that will provide. If you want to go further with other articles and other constitutional, that that goes into another another realm. Um, and we can sit here and argue that all day, or you can have your attorney just. Send me your attorney's information. I'll have our attorney call your attorney. Um, I'm sure that's going to happen. I'm just wanting to law? hear from your guys' mouth. Show me the law. That you're willing to suspend my daughter, which which is just absurd to me. I don't understand for her right to choose her own personal health choice. Yes. There's, there's not even a health choice issue. <clears throat> These masks is a piece of clothing that that that's how they're legally defined it's not a medical device it's not a life-saving medical device that will save other people's lives it's doesn't work that way uh, i think there of all the studies that have actually been done on fast on ma- face masks i believe there's not a single one it's like an actual an actual real study not an opinion piece by people in the in the press or something like that but like an actual study i don't think i don't believe there's a single one that proves or shows that masks are more beneficial at stopping COVID nineteen than than if you you know if you don't wear masks. It, it shows other things such as it's actually detrimental to you, uh, your health, and you know limits your oxygen intake and these kinds of things, right? So I am willing to. But this is a piece of clothing. Statutes and guidelines. That's despicable, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That's what you have to yeah. say, Doctor Yanni. Yanni, I I'm, you know what, man, you are really a piece of work, and I don't want to make this personal, but you have. You have by involving her. She is a gr- she's a great kid. She's a wonderful student. She's not doing anything to harm anybody. She's not done anything unlawful. And all she wants to do is maintain her rights as a citizen of this state. And you are taking that away from her. And you have no right to do so. And then the simple fact that you want to sit there and pretend like you have this great power. 
by authority. Some kind of dictator? It's unbelievable, sir. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Sorry, you feel that way. It's Sorry, not a feeling. It's truth. Oh my God! At least they're fighting back. Good for them. <clears throat> Good girl, brave girl. More people should do it. All right, uh, we are going to wrap up here. Let me see here. Odenland says, yes, Peter Gutsch uh, was on the video that you just played. He was talking about the vaccine. Yeah, the, the studies, right? I just realized that. Uh, this guy. We cannot. And he even said it right there, Peter Gutsch. Okay, cool. I didn't know that. That's cool. So that's your, that guy is my mother's cousin's brother-in-law. Awesome. That's great. Uh, I guess he's. Uh, yeah, University of Copenhagen. Cool. Uh, thank you. I I forgot which video it was. Thank you, Odin Land. I appreciate that. Black Phillips says, Henrik, have you covered the mass murder in Norway today? There was a man with a bow and arrow, and somehow he managed to kill five people. I did not hear about this. I Googled it just when I saw your super chat. Multiple people in, uh, killed in suspected bow and arrow attack in Norway. Holy crap. Five people have been killed and at least two others injured during a sprawling sprawling attack in the Norwegian town of Kornes. Uh, Kongs Bay, in Kings Mountain, Kings Hill. According to local police, the suspected attacker used a bow and arrow. A spokesman for the Norwich Southeastern Police District said the suspect is under arrest and is believed to have acted alone. He's not yet been questioned, according to uh, the police chief, Oivind Oss. Uh, there is no active search for more people. Speaking of the press of the attack, the police said authorities had not ruled out the possibility of a terror attack. From the course of events, it's... Uh, it is natural to consider whether it is an act of terrorism, he said. However, the apparent person has not been questioned and is therefore too early to say anything about that and what the person's motivation was. Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, we'll follow up on that. Maybe report that more on. But he has been arrested then. We'll see what the motivation might be uh, just outside of Oslo, Norway. Bow and arrow. That's how it goes. Police in country are now temporarily armed, right? Yeah, because they're not, they don't carry arms normally. All right. Uh, thank you for the, that news piece. Very strange. <clears throat> we'll see what the uh, reasons for that was. Um, thank you, Black Philip, for sending that. Valet, I think it's Valet or Valet, uh, says uh, she should sue him for sexual assault for bazookas, as in her titties. <laughs> Is that the slang for it? <clears throat> uh, little girl, do you have any bazookas on you today? Thank you, Valet. Uh, Aaron Jim says, thanks as always, Henrik, uh, and good night all. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, guys. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us today. We're going to wrap up right there. We have more stories to cover. I'm wrapping up uh, Lana's equity video as well, so we're looking forward to uh, getting that out to you guys. Uh, but, yeah, we'll be back uh, with much more soon. Until then, take care, of course, and do check out the latest uh, Weekend Warrior show. It um, goes up on uh, Sundays, actually sometimes Mondays, depending on the editing. Sometimes editing is more involved. Uh, good high production and stuff like that. So join us over at RedEyesMembers.com. And, of course, there's a couple of ways if you want to use uh, your credit or debit card you can do that still subscribe stars one of them subscribestar.com slash red eyes last time i looked a few days ago uh we're at like uh something like 16 away from uh meeting our, our 300 goal so when we do that we'll do something uh, special I haven't decided yet we'll ask you guys we'll do a poll on the member site and maybe on subscribe star too uh should we do some kind of marathon stream should we do some specific video about a specific topic and ama ama should we do a call-in show uh what should we do we'll ask you guys uh anyway so thank you for joining us over there it does help to support the show as well and of course you get access to redassmembers.com uh all the stuff back to 2006 uh, thousands of hours uh, of good content for you right there. Exclusive members content as well. Entropystream.live slash TV. You can make a, a paid chat offline if you want to make a one-time payment or you can use their subscription option, uh, their platinum 
uh, option that they have on Entropy is the closest to the price on Subscribestar, 10 bucks a month at auto renews. But if you do a one-time payment, uh, it, uh, uh, it uh, does, uh, you can rather, I should say, I'm looking for a source here, that's why I'm uh, struggling. Uh, if you do a one-time payment, there it is, uh, you can uh, get it cheaper per month. So we have all the way up to two years available uh, so, of course, if you do a, <clears throat> a two-year subscription, uh, you get a uh, much uh, cheaper price per month uh, for that as well. We do have the Cash App right there on screen for you. Yeah, it's an easy way. Uh, E-check option or uh, same way that you pay a utility bill. Uh, ACH is also known as E-check or ACH uh, option. If you're in the U.S., that's uh, a good option. Crypto, of course, as usual. Uh, and we do have a mailing address if you prefer to do it that way. Uh, but uh, yes, always send us an email, redice at protomail.com. When you have signed up or made a payment, send us your, or include rather your username and or email on redicemembers.com so we can attach, uh, uh, link it to your account and activate it that way. We do have to do it that way because we're financially being sabotaged, censored, banned on the financial front. So we can't have uh, auto recurring payments, uh, you know, credit card payment systems on our websites. We have to use third parties uh, like this. And that's the reason for that. So we appreciate your patience as well in us uh, activating your account. But again, if you uh, have signed up on Subscribestar or, or Entropy, Sully, I asked you last in the Friday show, Sully, uh, Wyoming Wask, if, just to mention two recently I saw. Uh, if you guys are watching, send us an email because we don't have any username for you on redassmembers.com. We, we search for username, but we can't find it. Uh, so we want to activate your account, so make sure that you guys uh, do that so we can set it up. with. Uh, but yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate your support. We'll be back, of course, with much more soon. Until uh, then, take care. Thank you for watching, everybody. We'll see you soon. Evansville family with children four and five years old say they were accidentally given full adult doses of the Pfizer coronavirus vaccine instead of flu shots. They say it happened on October 4th at the Walgreens on St. Joseph Avenue. The family of four includes two adults and two young children, both too young for the Pfizer or any other COVID vaccine. Well, the family's attorney, Daniel Tooley, shared with us what he says are vaccination cards given to the family by Walgreens. They show children born in 2016 and 2017 were given a Pfizer coronavirus vaccine. The family says they left the pharmacy thinking they had gotten their flu shots, but a Walgreens employee later called them and said they had made a mistake. Tooley says the children have been taken to a pediatric cardiologist and the family was told both are showing signs of heart issues. We've reached out to Walgreens several times but have not yet heard back. We have, you know, one in 10,000 uh, side effects. That's, you know, way more, 700,000, uh, you know, people who will suffer from that. So really understanding the safety at gigantic scale across all age ranges, you know, pregnant, male, female, undernourished, uh, existing comorbidities, it's very, very hard. And that actual decision of, okay, let's go and give this vaccine to the entire world, uh, governments will have to be involved because there will be some risk and indemnification needed before that can uh, be decided on. You've invested $10 billion in vaccinations over the last two decades, and you figured out the return on investment for that. And it kind of stunned me. Can you walk us through the math? In a Wall Street essay, Bill Gates declared vaccines the best investment I've ever made. Our foundation uh, is a bit more than $10 billion, uh, but we feel there's been over a 20 to 1 return. So if you just look at the 
economic benefits, uh, that's a pretty strong number compared to anything else. If you had put that money into an S&P 500 and reinvested the dividends, you'd come up with something like $17 billion, but you think it's $200 billion. Here, yeah. You know, helping young children live, that has a payback that goes beyond any typical financial return. Remember them. Remember their names and who they are. Remember what they said and what they did not say. Remember what they did and what they did not do. When all is done, the guilty will be punished. Do you love Red Ice? Want more? Get access to exclusive material by signing up for a Red Ice membership. You'll be able to watch Weekend Warrior, our flagship show, the second hour of interviews, and other special feature videos only for subscribers. Were you a member and we lost you along the way? Renew! We love and appreciate you guys and gals and cannot do this without you. Help us be a sane voice, a lighthouse in the sea of insanity. As times get tougher, as people are searching for answers, they're going to need content like red ice. A little of all your support can go a long way. Thank you.